my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Tanner Fuller Gibbler fans, Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing good. Well, looks like this episode brings us to the final episode in the Back to School Part 2 series. And of course, the episode I'm talking about today is Fuller House Season 4 Episode 7 entitled President Fuller which aired on December 14th 2018. In this episode Max runs for fourth grade president or fourth grade class president but his girlfriend Rose is running too. DJ tries to make up with CJ and Steph picks a fight with a clown. Wow we got a lot of stuff going on in this episode. Um as with the episode prior to this one, Fast Times at Bayview High, I do want to let you know, for anyone that suffers or is working through a medical trigger or trauma, I would like to tell you that there is a segment on Wake Up USA with Danny and Rebecca that is of a medical nature and... I w- when I get to that scene, I will give you guys a heads up, and then if you want to just skip ahead for like a few minutes while I go through the episode, I'll be late about it, and you know, play the clip, and we'll move on from there. So I just want you to know that, you know, I, I care about, you know, all of you. I really, really do. And when things like this arise in shows, I want to be as sensitive and as careful as humanly possible. So that way you can still enjoy the episode. So, let's get into the deets of this app. It's got a 7.2 on a 10 rating on IMDb out of 179 ratings. As far as guest stars, we have... Virginia Williams returning as C.J. Harbinger, oh, I can't pronounce her name, and McKenna Grace as Rose. We have Larry Joe Campbell as Sudsy as the Clown, K.J. Smith as the producer, and Trevel, Trevel, <laughs> Trevor Duvall as the announcer. Oh, another Dave Coulier episode directed by Dave Coulier. Cool. Writers D. I cannot speak to save my life today. <laughs> Creator Jeff Franklin, written by John D. Beck and Ron Hart, and staff writer 
Will Griffin. All right, cool. Oh, we got some user reviews. We got two of them, of course, as always, the ever faithful Power Man Dan. Does not give this a good, <laughs> does not write this very well. Gives it a three out of 10. Titling it, nothing good. Well, as I say to each their own, everyone's got their own opinion. Max runs for class president, but girlfriend Rose already has dibs. This means their relationship, the little one they had, is over. All this is happening while DJ is trying to make amends with her mother. It needed finesse and reality. I felt like it was wasted. Danny and Becky return. These returns are easily the best parts of these episodes. Danny is forced to get a... <clears throat> on television. Medical procedure. Leave it at that. All this is done for cheap laughs. Bad plot. Stephanie becomes rivals for kitty p- kid parties with Jimmy's favorite clown, Sudsy. This plot is not very good either. We get three potentially good episodes all wasted. Typical contemporary family sitcoms. Oh boy, this person also does not give this episode a good review. Rates it 3 out of 10, just like the ever-faithful Power Man Dan, and titles it, this is the longest title I've ever seen of a review. Does not hit home the reality of life issues and creates a false sense of feel-good hope. Warning, spoilers. So, Power Man Dan's review, published August 28th, 2019, so it's about a little over a year old, and... By Shy Guy Gamer, December 16th, 2018 is when this review was posted. Again, spoilers. Sometimes Fuller House can seem heartwarming and bring a lot of feel-good, in quotes, moments. But it doesn't portray life accurately. Well, let me tell you. This is a sitcom. Oh, there I go again. Criticizing someone's review. When we all, to each their own, are entitled to our own opinions. Alright, let me continue on. It assures its viewers that everything turns out the way you want in the end, and that simply just isn't true. In this episode, there's a young woman named CJ who is going to marry Steve. Steve is now dating the show's main character, DJ. DJ ruined the wedding of Steve and CJ by professing her love for Steve. As Steve reciprocated and wound up basically ditching CJ on the altar... Now I've known many ladies in my life and absolutely none of them would have been forgiving of me for even the tiniest of offenses. I cannot imagine a world where a woman would forgive anybody for ruining their wedding day, but that is exactly what happens in this episode. We're led to believe that because Max and Rose, the children of DJ and CJ, are friends, this is why they even tolerate each other in the first place. But only do the parents allow their children to associate. They then lead us to believe that CJ and DJ have a discussion and work things out and become friends again. Hooray! Sarcastic face. Come on now, this does not ever happen. This is like my best wishes of those... Whom have been, whoever, whom have hurt me or I hurt would reconcile and we would be friends again and everyone lives happily ever after. But no, this isn't the case. In today's world, attempts at reconciliation are met with 
more blocking, more ghosting, more ignorance, often followed by bouts of depression. Okay, 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 this person on their soapbox. This would be not only more plausible, but also more interesting for the viewers and more heartfelt. I do not need reassurance that my hopes and wishes will be fulfilled. I need to know how to handle it when those wishes aren't fulfilled. Okay, um, I want to jump on here and say a little something about the person's review. Again, I say everyone's entitled to their own opinion. That is true. And I'm entitled to mine. Um, I think we watch these shows as an escape from our own reality and... I mean, it's nice to be some things playable realism, but the whole thing between CJ and DJ, this person is balking about the fact, like, oh, uh, I, you know, like, oh, if it were me in that situation and this happened, I wouldn't react this way. It's like, that's fine, but not everyone is going to react the way that CJ and DJ did, and they're not going to react how you're saying that the majority of the world reacts. It's... You know, I mean, I get it. It's nice that some things are played into a tad bit of realism. But like I said, if we want realism, we'll turn the news on. If we want to escape for something for a half hour and laugh and forget our, our, our problems or be entertained, then Full House and Fuller House give us that opportunity to do that. The show doesn't owe us real per, to portraying realism. Like... Uh, I'm that person is clearly not a f real Full House fan. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yes, there are some episodes of Fuller House that I could kind of take her like, eh, it's not as good as this one. But I'm not going to rip it to shreds. And say, if this were real life, this would happen. And this person would have done that. Like, no, 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 no. But let's move on from that. Okay, so we're done with the two reviews. Ooh, we got some trivia. Ooh, trivia! Ah! Seventh appearance of Max's girlfriend, Rose. And I'm going to give up on saying the um, last name of Rose and CJ because I can't... Harbin... Harbinberger. Or I can't even begin to pronounce this. <clears throat> Jody Swinton's younger daughter, Beatrix, appears in this episode as an extra in the scene at Mucho Marco's where Stephanie interrupts Sudsy the Clown's act with her guitar skills. I gotta keep my eyes peeled and let's see if I can I can find little B. Alright. So take a drink right here. My mouth's a little dry. Mm. Okay, so before I get into the episode completely I want to let you know, Tanner Newbies, if you're jumping on board of the podcast for the first time, thank you. I appreciate it. And I want to let you know many different ways you can listen to the podcast. You can listen, like, probably how you're doing on SoundCloud. You can also listen on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You know, there's also Podbean under the Oh My Lanta's Holy Chalupa's unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. Also, ways to find the podcast on social media. You can do so at Facebook. Just type in Full House or Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Lanta Holy Chalupas Podcast will pop up in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe or like or follow. Also on Instagram, OMHCFHFH Podcast. 
I hope someone's going to tell you the email. That's basically the email address, what I just said. Just add the at sign and the gmail.com. Also, how I run this podcast, for those of you that are just jumping on the Tanner train, I don't go episode by episode, season by season. That's not. I wanted to take a different approach. And I thought, there's so many episodes between Full House and Fuller House. I can take certain ones place them in a theme, you know, based on a holiday, based on a character, based on, I want to, examples of this, Thanksgiving episodes, Christmas episodes, also in January and February, I covered Jesse and Becky's arc from when they first met all the way to them renewing their vows in the First season finale of Fuller House. Also, I want to let you know that this is a clean family podcast. You can listen to it with your kids around and not have to worry about me spouting off a four-letter offensive word. I do take into consideration, you know, I wanted, there are many full house podcasts out there i wanted to be the alternative to those because those ones mainly are explicit for adult ears and not children ears so i wanted to give you guys that option i love this show i grew up watching it i love fuller house i just i love everything about it and i love being able to go each week into these episodes and just reminiscing. Sometimes things will come up that I'll be like, oh yeah, that rings a bell. Or I'll and I'll be learning like in Spellbound, I didn't know if I'd use the word adversary right when referring to Stephanie and Davy Chu. And I looked it up. I certainly used it and I was so proud of myself. It's like sometimes I'm worried like I'm not sure if I know the definition, but it sounds like it could be right. And then I I always look. I like I wanna make sure. I don't want to stumble, so, but, yeah, my, um, goal, since this is the last episode in the Back to School Part 2 series, how I wanted to end 2020, how I wanted to end with December, what series of four episodes, I usually stick with four, that I wanted to end... And I thought about it, and I'm like, I started 2020 with Jesse and Rebecca, their love story arc series. I said to myself, why not end the year of 2020 with Jesse and Rebecca as first-time parents? And that is going to basically include when they come home from the hospital with Nikki and Alex, the twins, and season five's Nikki and or Alex. Also, season five's Yours, Mine, and Ours, where Jesse and Becky kind of, uh, they kind of butt heads about how to raise their kids. And they each, you know, have a twin that they named. They're like, oh, if I raised Alex and you raised Nikki, I bet Alex would be great in your Nikki would be a train wreck, basically. <laughs> and after that, I'm going to do season seven, two season seven episodes, Support Your Local Parents, where Nikki and Alex will only play with each other, their toddlers at this point, and Jesse finally has to concede with the fact that he does 
need some outside he and becky could use some outside help advice with uh, from other people that have twins that have raised twins that are also dealing with similar issues and of course tough love nikki and alex being toddlers are out of control jesse and becky pretty much let them do whatever they want and of course the boys kind of cross a line when they destroy michelle's planet diorama and also just i mean being disruptive at dinner and, and everything and jesse finally is like i have to discipline our kids because this can't continue like this they're gonna get older and it's gonna get much worse so he has to wrestle with the guilt of punishing nikki and alex and having them call him mean daddy mean daddy uh, so that's how I'm going to end season <laughs> season yeah that's how I'm going to end 2020 and of course January is going to be all about parenting 102 Jesse and Becky are parenting 101 skills and Danny with each he has an episode with each of his girls high anxiety with Michelle where oh where did my little girl go? Where is she gone with DJ? And I'm not DJ with Stephanie wanting to get her ears pierced. So, yeah. Fun, fun times, everyone. Fun, fun times. And we all know what February is all about Valentine's Day and love. So we know we're going to be hitting up uh, Tanner Girls in Love is what I'm calling that series. And then, of course... Sometimes with love, there is heartbreak. So March is going to be all about breakups. You know, the short amount of time that Jesse and Becky broke up. Steve and DJ breaking up. And, of course, what really also ripped me to shreds. Danny and Vicky breaking up. Because I remember watching that episode and crying. Oh my gosh. And when I get to the episode, I'll be talking about um, what happened with Gail Edwards' hair because it is, it's it's not red, it's like borderline black and curly, 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 like out of control curly. But we'll get there in February. And of course, season eight's dateless in San Francisco, which focuses on the last Valentine's Day episode in Full House. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into President Fuller. All right, we come out of the intro. Max is in the kitchen with the She-Wolf pack, and he's got his laptop open, and he is showing them. It's basically an unboxing video. You see a lot of these on YouTube. I usually would go for the ones that are, because I'm a book reader, and I love watching unboxing videos of people getting new books. I think it's just because I feel like I can be included, like, in the experience, like, and share in the excitement and the joy of getting a new book. And then the excitement dies away until I get another package. <laughs> There's something wrong with me. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about myself also getting... I actually do have a YouTube channel where I did... Um, another word for like unboxing is also book hauls. People who get books. And they show them to their their viewers and stuff like that. So if, 
If you look up a cat among books or cat among books, all one word, my old YouTube channel from, I think it dates back to like, that was like 2012, 2013, all the way to maybe 2015. So, yeah. I had fun doing that for a while. Actually, the program I use to do the podcast on, Jeremy originally got the program for me for Christmas in a way to do, you know, the YouTube videos and everything. That's what I started. And then I kind of like, eh, I'm going to shift my focus to podcasting. But it works just the same. So I'm not going to say Max has amazing on-screen presence. He really does. So he's like, I received a package that's going to blow your mind. And he rips off the tape and we see it's another vest. And he breathes it in like, ah, that new vest smell. And I'm just like, oh, he looks, I love his vests. It seems like Matt has, Matt, Max has really been in to vests since probably even season one, right? Because this is season four. So at this point, of course, in season four, Kimmy is pregnant with the future Danielle Tanner. She doesn't actually give birth to the baby until the end of season four. Granted, of course, the baby is unnamed until we get to the first episode of season five. I love how we notice... Max is wearing his his dad's watch. And I'm kind of curious the the boy who plays Max Elias Harger. I'm kind of curious does he he also like the the vests that they choose for Max? I mean, does he kind of get a say in the wardrobe like, "Oh, I really think Max would like this." Or is it the like, "Oh, we think Max's character would be wearing these. I'm kind of curious. I mean, does Elias like vests or does he, and also if he does, does he get to pick out the ones that he gets to wear? Like, maybe he has a say, like, alright, we got a couple vests. What one do you like? Do you like this one or do you like that one? I love also how they incorporate the holidays into his vest, like the 4th of July one and his other holiday ones. And DK is like, <laughs> she says, ask him, this is what's on your YouTube kids channel? And DK apparently, she doesn't get it. She just is like, what, dozens of videos of you opening boxes? DJ, unhauling and unboxing videos are one of the coolest things out. I mean, I it was all the rage when I was watching, you know, BookTube back in, like, 2012 and 2013. And he, he looks at her and he's like, oh yeah, riveting, isn't it? Like, <laughs> he's so proud of himself. And he should be. Oh, he's actually, it looks like he's wearing a, a sweater vest, not a button-up sweater there. Thank you, Kimmy. As she explains to DJ, it's called unboxing. It's memorizing. Oh, mesmerizing. It definitely is. Oh, oh, Steph, I love how she's like, yeah, says the woman several, who went to 7-Eleven and was watching the hot dogs rotate. <laughs> that definitely sounds like something Homer Simpson would do. 
But, I mean, pregnancy does bring out the cravings in Kimmy, and maybe it brings out other sides of her that we that we don't know. Oh, here's an adult joke. As Kimmy says, in my defense, that was the day I accidentally, accidentally ate one of your brownies. Oh, ho, ho, ho. one of those special magic brownies. I got you. I got you. Oh, my gosh. She had one of those while she was pregnant? Oh, I don't like that. No, that makes me nervous. Um, one thing, I'm sorry if I'm munching on while I'm talking. The M&M's white chocolate sugar cookie, it seems this holiday season is all about the sugar cookie. From Giardilly, chocolate bars, you know, individual wrapped ones, Hershey Kisses with their sugar cookie bits. I haven't had those yet. I haven't. I got them in my fridge. Also, uh, Lint, the little truffle things, there's the hot cocoa one, and there's also a peppermint cookie one, which I haven't opened those, I just bought them today. Um, one channel I really, if you guys are into people trying food, different foods, especially limited edition foods, check out Tammy Dunn, that's T-A-M-I Dunn, D-U-N-N. She and her husband... Whenever I'm like, gosh, I want to try this, but I'm not sure if I'll like it. Let me hit up Tammy Dunn and her husband and kind of see what their overall opinion is of it. There are so many videos out there of people trying different foods and kind of reviewing different foods. I mean, if that's if that's your excitement, if that's your your like, oh, I love book reviews and I love food review channels, especially limited edition stuff. Go check it out. One last thing. If you have a Walmart near you, they have the Fruity Pebbles candy bar. And it may sound a little weird. It seems like candy is all about the white chocolate. And that's what it is. It's white chocolate candy bar with Fruity Pebbles in it. And it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I like it. I wouldn't, you know, buy it in bulk. But, I mean, it's, it's nice for a treat to try it at least once. And kind of like, oh, guess what I tried? Just it's something to try to say that I've tried that. And Kimmy says, and ended up, I ended up dancing on stage with the Grateful Dead. And we kind of bring him back to Max's video. And DJ is just really dumbfounded here. It's like, okay, wait. So the kids at your school actually watched this 200 times? I love how Max turns and walks around DJ and then turns to face her with his back against the kitchen island counter. He's like, Mom, 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 you just don't get the entertainment landscape. I'm guessing this is what kind of kickstarts Max's idea to run for class president. Because DJ says, how about this? Why don't you try to influence people in a more meaningful way. Oh, she says, why don't you channel your inner energy in a way that can influence people. Influence them in a more meaningful way. So basically, it almost seems like she's chalking this fun little hobby that Max has and just saying, this is a waste of time. Why don't you take your energy and put it in and focus it on something that can actually people can benefit from or they can get something out of it. Like, no one's really, who, kids, really, they're, they're, they're getting something out of watching you 
unbox and reveal something? Yeah, sure. And I really see the cultural, the generational divide between kids today, you know, as far as Max goes, and then DJ, who of course grew up around the time that we did, you know, this the 80s and the 90s and stuff. Like, you know, back then we didn't have unboxing videos. If you were going to film an unboxing video, you had to probably, you know, get your big old VHS camcorder on a tripod. And I kind of wonder if that even could have been a thing back back in the day. But it's like, there's no way, no one's going to see it. Unless you're like, hey, come over to my house and let me pop in this video of me uh, um, opening this box I got from, like, UPS. From Toys R Us. Actually, now that I think about it, it's not like you'd be doing online ordering, order, ordering in, like, the 80s and 90s. So, no, I just, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> and Max just looks at her and it's like, more meaningful than unboxing vests? Like, Mom, I don't get you. Okay, she's got the in. She's got an ear in on Harvey Milk Elementary because she's like, Max, come on, really. Hey, how about this? School elections are coming up. There you go. I think this is DJ trying to live vicariously through her son when she suggests he run for class president. And get this, I will even help you. With your campaign. Oh man. I Wait a minute. I There's an episode of Full House. I swear that has DJ running for. I thought she was also running for student body president. And Kimmy was as well. Or. Or no. She was covering the campaign for her journalism class. For the school paper. And Kimmy was running for that. You think she, Kimmy, would be the one to uh, help Max out? I love those black and white striped straws that are sitting in that stainless steel cup on the counter. Oh, oh, yeah. This is something we've never seen on Full House because she says I was fourth grade president, and I'm like, well, that must have been the year before she. Uh, you know, Full House kicked off. We didn't see anything pre-DJ at 11. It's pre-Full House. And Kimmy and Steph are definitely like, oh boy, here we go. It's like they're familiar with, with DJ. I mean, like I say, I nicknamed DJ the Taskmaster because she is. When she gets into something, she goes hardcore full bore into it. Like, all the way. Like, we're not giving up halfway through. We're going all the way to the finish line here, people. Oh my goodness, she even had a cheer. She's like, hey, hey, ho, ho, cast your vote for Donna Joe. When did she ever go by Donna Joe? The audience loves it, though. They love it when DJ cheers. Like, yay, go DJ! <laughs> I love Max. He's like, oh, well, I am a natural-born leader. Like, you are, buddy. You're a leader, all right. Of course, he says, you know, and being president is a logical step towards becoming king. <laughs> well, and she kind of looks at him like, what? I, what, wasn't, what's happening here? 
Because he looks at you like, thanks, Mom! Like, you just gave me a br- great idea. I'm going to take this idea and I'm going to run with it. <laughs> Stephanie's line. She says, you know, I feel like sometime in the future, someone's going to build a time machine to come back and stop this exact moment. Like, we have no idea what we ju- what DJ just unleashed in Max. I think the power's... Max isn't, he's like his mom, you know, they're power hungry. They, they they like that power and that control. Welcome back to the Max Fuller experience. I received a package that's going to blow your mind. <laughs> Nothing like that new vest smell. This is what's on your YouTube kids channel? Dozens of videos of you opening boxes? Riveting, isn't it? (laughs) Deech, it's called unboxing. It's mesmerizing. (laughs) Yeah, says the woman who spent an entire afternoon at 7-Eleven watching the hot dogs rotate. (laughs) In my defense, that was the day I accidentally ate one of your brownies. And ended up dancing on stage with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> okay, wait. So the kids at your school have actually watched this 200 times? Ugh. Mom, mom, mom. <laughs> you don't get the modern entertainment landscape. Well, why don't you channel your energy to influence people in a more meaningful way? More meaningful than unboxing vests? <laughs> Max, come on. Hey, your school elections are coming up. Why don't you run for class president? And I'll help you. I was fourth grade president. Oh, oh here we boy. Go. <laughs> hey, hey, ho, ho, cast your vote for Donna Joe! <laughs> well, I am a natural born leader. And being president is a logical step towards becoming king. Thanks, Mom. You know, I feel like in the future someone's going to build a time machine to come back and stop this exact moment. All right, now we're moving to the living room. We got DJ on the couch. She's doing her mom duties, folding laundry, and apparently her old class president slogan or running for class president slogan is so catchy, she's incorporating it into... Folding her laundry. Hey, hey, ho, ho, no one folds like Donna Joe. <laughs> oh, hey, it's Danny and Becky. As they come in on the front step, and of course they get their audience shout out and applause. And Danny goes over and hugs DJ, and she asks, what brings you guys by? And Danny looks at her surprised. <laughs> Do I need a reason to visit? <laughs> how how many times have you got to remind them it's still his house, even though they're, they're living in it? Every time. <laughs> he says, you're my daughter. I love you. I'm like, okay, I think there's a catch here. I mean, yes, of course, Danny loves his daughter, but I think he wants something. Like, what do you want me to do for you? What do you how do you want me to help you out? He accidentally drove here instead of his own house. 
<laughs> Becky with the old man joke. <laughs> she says, oh, he accidentally drove here instead of his own house. But Danny kind of chalks it up to, you know, I just, I needed to see a happy face after a long and annoying day at work. TJ asks, like, what's wrong? You're, you're not moving back in here, are you? Oh, good God. The house is full to capacity already. They already have a Fernando living there, so you can't get much fuller than that. Okay, so they do make, yeah, Becky is still the producer of uh, probably when they started doing Wake Up USA. Her producer job just kind of fell right into place there. And Danny complains about how he's frustrated with all the puff pieces his producer, or a.k.a. Becky, makes him do. Or makes the two of them do. Producer makes us do. It's always cute babies. And he's like, it's always cute babies and dogs with sunglasses. Sounds like he's talking about Stephanie's video of the boy next door that Jimmy shot footage of Cosmo and Tommy together. Doorbell rings and DJ's walking to it as she tells Danny, I love dogs and sunglasses. Who doesn't love dogs and sunglasses? I think they're adorable. Right, Quinny? Right? Where you at, girl? I don't know where she is. Oh, DJ says, I love dogs and sunglasses, especially when they moonwalk. So DJ opens the door and it's CJ and Rose. You know, after the whole DJ and Steve confessing their love to each other in Japan when it was supposed to be Steve and CJ's wedding, I can't really see why she would just be making a nicey-nicey house call. Like, hey DJ, what's up? Even though you um, ambushed my wedding and yeah. And DJ, of course, is like, hi, CJ, so great to see you. And CJ doesn't even really acknowledge DJ's presence. Just says, oh, I'm just dropping off Rose and making sure she's dropped off safely. And CJ says, all right, it's done. Bye. Kisses Rose. And then she walks out. Before CJ can even get outside the door, DJ's calling her back saying, oh, you know, CJ, I've been meaning to talk to you. And CJ does not want to hear it. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, bye. And we cut to the couch with Danny and Becky just sitting there like, oh, this is awkward. (laughs) So DJ closes the door and says to Rose, oh, well, she must have been in a hurry. And Rose actually clarifies, no, it's just still, you know, awkward since you ruined her wedding and all. (laughs) And DJ tells Rose to let her mom know that CJ is welcome in her home anytime. I don't see that happening. Anytime soon. Oh, Rose says, oh, yeah, I, I would, but I'm not allowed to use your name in the house. Or use the letters D or J. Ooh. So DJ says, you know, it's always good to see you, Rose. And Max is upstairs if you want to go up and see him. <laughs> hey, ho, ho, no one pulls like Tommy Joe. <laughs> Do I need a reason to visit? You're my daughter. I love you. 
He accidentally drove here instead of his own house. I just needed to see a happy face after such a long and annoying day at work. What's wrong? You're not moving back in here, are you? I'm just frustrated with all the puff pieces our producer makes us do. It's always cute babies and dogs with sunglasses. Oh, I love dogs in sunglasses. Especially when they moonwalk. Hi, CJ. Come on in. It's really great to see you. Just making sure Rose is dropped off safely. It's done. Bye. Mm. Oh, you know, CJ, I, I've been meaning to talk to you. Uh-huh. Bye. <laughs> she must have been in a hurry. No, it's, it's just still awkward since you ruined her wedding and all. Well, uh, please let her know that she's welcome to come in any time. Yeah, I would, but I'm not allowed to use your name in the house. Or use the letters D or J. Well, it's always great to see you too, Rose. Yeah, Max is upstairs. So Rose heads upstairs, and Becky kind of asks the obvious question here. Like, oh, so things are still frosty between you and CJ, huh? And Danny asks, so you haven't been able to uh, reach out to her? Well, Danny, you were sitting on the couch. You got a front row seat to that awkward exchange. As CJ couldn't wait to get her feet outside of the Tanner house and away from DJ. I mean, put yourself in CJ's shoes. You you go to all this trouble. You get married. You set up a wedding in Japan. You're so excited, and then. And you even invite your soon-to-be husband's ex-girlfriend, who thus ruins your wedding by professing their undying forever love to your soon-to-be husband. Thus calling off the wedding, and yeah. I mean, if, I mean, if I were CJ, I would not want anything to do with DJ, but... I mean, if my kid were friends with her kid, I wouldn't keep them from seeing each other. The thing is, DJ, you're just going to have to give CJ time. Like, a lot of time. She may not ever get over this. Which, I wouldn't blame her if that were the case. And then, after Danny asks, you know, have you tried to reach out to her? And DJ says, well, she doesn't want anything to do with me. Like, no surprise. And DJ... Admits that this is the first time that CJ's ever come to the door. Normally, she just honks the horn. And Becky says, well, maybe that means she's getting close to wanting to talk about it. And Danny says, well, maybe that means she finally found a parking spot. <laughs> so DJ has been working hard at writing apology emails to CJ. She's got at least a dozen of them in her composed file and has yet to hit the send button. You know, I gotta ask. I don't really even... The only emails I send out are the ones to mainly my pen pals that live across the ocean. Or up across the pond. And, I mean, DJ does have a kind heart here. She is trying to reach out to CJ and she wants... CJ to know that she's sorry that she hurt her. And 
I'm sure maybe deep down that CJ probably sees that DJ wants to, you know, say something to that accord. And she just, CJ's not ready to hear it. And Danny, good advice, you know, he tells her, clearly you're not ready, going to move on from this until you get, unless you get some kind of closure. And DJ thanks Danny for his words of advice. And, of course, Becky's like, oh, and if you do talk to CJ, find out who colors her hair. She looks terrific. <laughs> Things are still frosty between you and CJ, huh? Yeah. So you haven't been able to reach out to her? She doesn't want anything to do with me. This is the first time she's ever come to the door. Well, maybe that means she's almost ready to talk about it. Maybe that means she finally found a parking spot. <laughs> You know, I've written at least a dozen emails and I just haven't had the courage to hit send. I want her to know that I'm sorry that I hurt her. I know it's hard, but clearly you're not going to be able to move on unless you get some kind of closure on this. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Oh, and if you do speak to her, find out who colors her hair. She looks terrific. Let's jump up to Max and Jackson's room where he and Rose are hanging out and he's asking her opinion. Like, so what do you think of my unboxing video? Is it just me or did I reach down and find a little something extra? Aww. He loves his unboxing videos. Ah, he's wearing a sweater vest. Wait, he was wearing that when he was showing off that video to, uh, the she-wolf pack. Never mind. <laughs> these kids, where do they learn these words? I don't even know what banal means. Because where it's like, yeah, I usually find them banal, but with unboxing videos to be banal. But with you, it's oddly tolerable. <laughs> so Max gets up from his seat and says, well, I'm already the voice of the people. Why not be their leader too? I'm running for class president, he tells her. Oh, boy. So... Rose jumps out of her seat. It's like, you can't. You know I'm running for president. Oh, buddy. Uh, I didn't. I thought that she, like, he had first an announced it. And then shortly, she's going to come up and say she's running. But no, she was already running. Wow. This is, uh, this is a dicey situation. Especially because they're friends. I don't even think they're boyfriend-girlfriend at this point. They're just, you know, they're just friends. I mean, it was cute in, you know, season two and everything like that. But uh, it seems like they kind of moved on from that. And they're just uh, good friends. Oh my god, she is vicious. She puts a hand on either side of his face covering his ears. And she says... She says, my every move since kindergarten has been carefully planned leading up to this moment. And Max is just like, <laughs> she's going to squish my head. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, this girl, she's got, she's vicious. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that makes me nervous. <laughs> and she asks Max, like, do you think I like playing on the monkey bars? No, that's where the votes are. So Max is talking about how it's time for an outsider to rise up and be a, a man ready to take on special interests like Big Lunch Lady. I don't know if that is. Wow, Rose is, she is determined. She's like, you are not going to unthrow me from my 
my running on this. She tells him, you're unqualified and have a 0% chance of winning. I mean, if she's already been, you know, working the vote, being out on the monkey bars and the swings and whatnot, trying to get the little kid vote for, since probably even before class president. She says she's been working at this angle since, like, kindergarten, which, good for her. It's good to have a, a, a long, long plan. But, um... Man, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, I I only watched this episode once and I can't remember what happened at the end of it and who won. So, she tells Max that if you insist on running against me, I'll have no choice to put, but to put a relationship on hold. Okay, so they have been dating this whole time. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because Max is like, wait, are you dumping me? She basically tells him what that's right and defeating you. Good day. It always makes me think of Willy Wonka and the uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's like I said, good day. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> she did it. <laughs> oh, Willy and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Cause next to like, but wait, she turns and says. I said good day, sir! Yes! <laughs> How funny! Because like I said, I'd only watch this episode once, and I thought of that moment, and she turns around right after I said it, and she says it. <laughs> so, what do you think of my unboxing video? Is it me, or did I reach down deep and find a little something extra? <laughs> I usually find the genre to be banal, but it's oddly tolerable. <laughs> Oh, you know, I was thinking, I'm already the voice of the people. Why not be their leader too? I'm running for class president. You can't. You know I'm running for president. My every move since kindergarten has been carefully planned leading up to this moment. Oh my god, you're in Swish's face. Do you think I like playing on the monkey bars? No. That's where the votes are. But it's time for an outsider. A man ready to take on special interests like Big Lunch Lady. You're unqualified and have a zero percent chance of winning. But if you insist on running against me, I'll have no choice but to put our relationship on hold. Wait, are you dumping me and defeating you? Good day. But wait, I said good day, sir. Good day, sir. You see the audience when she leaves, just like oh. All right, we're going to Mucho Marcos, and we see a banner that says, Happy Birthday, Peter! Music by Aunt Steph. She goes by Aunt Steph. Okay. Whatever her angle is, whatever what works, that's awesome, Steph. All right, cool! Gibbler-style party planning is still going strong. We got the team of Kimmy and Stephanie. Kimmy with her enormous baby belly. And Stephanie looks like she's rocking a denim jacket, a light denim jacket. So, yeah, and Kimmy's just saying, you know, another successful party planning event by Gibbler style party planning. And the kids all love the music stylings of Aunt Steph. Steph, you didn't! 
She says, I think next time I'll leave out the crowd surfing element. Six-year-olds just don't have the proper upper body strength. Stop! They're children. They can't hold you up. <laughs> Great! For an adult, like a, a bachelor bachelorette party type of thing, maybe. But not six-year-olds. Okay, so it looks like it's after the p birthday party happened. Because Kimmy's telling D uh, blah, 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 Stephanie to pack up because... Kimmy wants to go play skee ball. They're basically at like a a um Chuck E. Cheese-ish type place. Kimmy says, yeah, 15 more tickets and I can win that sweet Chinese finger trap. I don't think you want that. I think I might have tried one of those once and it was just like, I can't get my fingers out. There's a trick to it, I know. Okay, we got this older gentleman with a rainbow wig and looks like he's squinting. Um, he he looks like he's like in his 50s. Maybe, to see, I, I don't know. Anyway, he's rainbow colored suspenders, uh, rainbow checked plaid pants and a light blue vest and just, he, he's decked out this completely kids are gonna let i mean do six-year-olds in 2020 do they like clowns or are they not into clowns i mean i'm not saying pennywise i'm saying this this clown he doesn't even he does not even have a red nose his face isn't painted can you really call yourself a real clown when i think clown i think red nose white face paint and I mean, I'm thinking, you know, Crossy the Bozo the Clown. Remember Bozo? From Saturday morning. I mean, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s and stuff, and it was like Saturday morning type of show. I remember Bozo the Clown. Remember they, like, have kids, like, put a balloon between their legs and, like, do a duck walk or waddle or something? Okay, so this is Sudsy. Gotcha. He's, like, squinting at the banner saying, Music by Ann Steph. What even is this? And he's like, who the? And he honks this horn. Is Aunt Steph. Is Aunt Steph. She's st standing right in front of you, buddy. <laughs> oh boy. This is gonna be a, a showdown here. Like, you don't, you don't, uh, yeah, this is gonna not go well. Dude! He's like, I never heard of an aunt Steph, and proceeds to squirt her in the face with, I'm guessing, his water flower thing. Ugh. Dude, don't, that's fighting actions, man. That is fighting actions. You are no longer a clown. You are an, you're the enemy now. Now, you both could have been nice public entertainers, but no, you had to go and cross the line and squirt Stephanie in the face with your your water school your your pop, your flower water shooter whatever. I don't even know what that's called. I don't care either. Yeah, Stephanie, when she recovers from being having water in her eye from his flower shooter. <laughs> She's like, not cool, clown. Who the heck are you? And he's, and he immediately goes into his character. I'm so 
Betsy, the entertainer. Like, ugh. I get the feeling this is going to be a turf war type of thing. I don't know. It seems like with this, Stephanie is kind of new to the whole, I mean, she's been DJing and stuff like that, but as far as kids' birthday parties and being an entertainer, you know, this is Kimmy and Stephanie combining their talents of Stephanie being a DJ and Kimmy, you know, planning parties and everything like that, which, I mean, definitely, if I wanted to awesome, amazing, fun time party. Kimmy Gibbler's who I'm going to. Granted, she charged me up the yin-yang, but it'd be worth it. So, Stephanie's like, Sudsy, where are your bubbles? Because, you know, his name is Sudsy. That I'd be thinking, like, bubbles, where are your bubbles? And he says, I don't do bubbles. Bubbles are for hacks. Now, the guy's got a familiar face here. And I looked at his IMDb, and there's literally nothing that I would recognize him from. I did watch the sh the Showtime show Weeds. He was in like five episodes of season five, and I just I couldn't place him to save my life. I I just I don't know. He just has a recognizable face. I'm thinking he reminds me of some other actor whose name I can't place. But and Stephanie with her arms folded says, but your name is Sudsy. And here's an adult for the jokes. As he says, I come from a long line of blackout drunks. What? So that's why your name is Sudsy? You no, know, you know what? I, I'm going to hold all my questions. I, I mm, That is too much to unfold and unpack. He just makes me nervous. He's like, but I love the kids! As he does like a little finger heart. I don't want... Mm, mm, I don't like this guy. I don't like him. Is that his bodyguard over there? His one of his entourage peeps? Some guy with folded arms and a black t-shirt. So since he's been doing this for quite a while with the kid parties, he tells Stephanie, look, the kid party circuit, it ain't for the week. Oh, I hate this joke. I don't know if any of you like it, but I hate this joke, the whole pull my finger, because he's like, now pull my finger, as he holds his finger, index finger out, and says, it's Graham. <sighs> yes, Stephanie! She looks at him, still arms folded, and says, do not call me sweetheart. It is, in other words, don't you dare talk down to me. She looks like she... Is she taller than Sudsy? I mean, if you took off that wig, she, he, she might be taller than him. So we got a couple of his, I guess, cronies or lackeys or whatever you want to call them in black t-shirts that are just standing there, arms folded. She tells him, why don't you pull your own finger, takes his suspenders and pulls them back and they snap against his chest. <laughs> oh, that hurt. That had to hurt. But then again, Sudsy, you deserved it. Oh, man, you just poked a bull. You just poked the bear. He looks at her and says, you just snapped the wrong suspenders. Oh, boy. I've known anything from watching it. You don't make the clown angry. Well, actually, you can do virtually nothing and Pennywise is going to get you. So, <laughs> yeah. I 
love how she tur- she's back on the stage again, turns, looks at him with an arched eyebrow, like, oh, really? Come at me, clown, because I'm ready for you. Do you gotta take that for no clown, Mr. Rainbow Wig? Another successful Gibbler-style party. And they love the musical stylings of Aunt Steph. Yeah. You know, I might leave out the crowd surfing next time, though. Six-year-olds just don't have the proper upper body strength. Literally not, Stephanie. Well, you pack up. I gotta go play skee-ball. Fifteen more tickets and I can win that sweet Chinese finger trap. (laughs) Oh, those are his lackeys, okay. Music by Aunt Steph. Who the f*** is Aunt Steph? (laughs) I am. I've never heard of an Aunt Steph. <laughs> Never heard of Sunsy either, jerk. Not cool, clown. Who do you think you are? I'm Sudsy, the entertainer. <laughs> oh, Sudsy. Well, where are your bubbles? I don't do bubbles. Bubbles are for hacks. <laughs> but your name is Sudsy. I come from a long line of blackout drunks. <laughs> but I love the kids. <laughs> Listen, sweetheart. Take a tip from the king. The kid party circuit, it ain't for the weak. Now pull my finger and scram. Do not call me sweetheart. Yes. Then why don't you pull your own finger? (laughs) You just snapped the wrong suspenders. Uh All right, so we are in the kitchen. Oh my gosh, those chips and cheese. I'm going to go make myself some chips and cheese. Wait. Oh, shoot. I used all that cheese. Dang it. Oh, well. Anyway, gosh, I'm really, mmm, chips and cheese. Yummy. Looks like refried brains. You got some cheese on there. Uh, Kimmy and (laughs) Steph are enjoying some either tea or they're throwing some back. I don't know. Well, I know Kimmy's not because she's with child. (laughs) But looks like Steph, they're both laughing, so clearly she is talking about Sudsy the Clown and her encounter with him. Jimmy comes in. He's like, <laughs> what's so funny? Oh, I see nachos. What? And Stephanie gets up. She goes, no, no, I, I got into an argument with a clown. And she clarifies, you know, not just some idiot that wears flip-flops and qu- quotes entourage. But like a real, actual clown. Of course, Jimmy doesn't take her seriously. (laughs) That's a good one. That's even funnier than the nachos. So Jimmy is like, alright. Like, okay, what what was this creep's name? And it's almost like dirt on her tongue as she says, Sudsy, the entertainer. And oh boy, looks like, uh... Looks like Jimmy might know know who she's talking about. Jimmy says, "What the Sudsy Rainbow Wig size forty six shoe size forty six waist? How does he? How does Jimmy know all these fa- these facts?" Jimmy says, "He's my personal hero and my dad's sponsor." Well, Sudsy did say he came from a, lo- a long line of blackout drunks, so maybe he is Jimmy and Kimmy's father's. Spots. Oh my gosh, it just opened up a can of worms about their father that I don't think I'm ready to divulge into yet. I'm not ready to uh, jump into that can of worms. And Sudsy has 
performed at all of Jimmy's birthday parties up until age 29. And Stephanie goes over to Jimmy. She's like, Jimmy, honey, you're only 28. Okay, so if that's the case, and Stephanie's probably playing closer to, you know, Jody Sweden's age, which is the same age as me. She's eight months older. She would be, well, this is 2017, so she'd be 35, possibly. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that Jimmy and Stephanie would be around the same age. It just seemed like maybe they were. Maybe I thought they were like a year or so apart, but I didn't know he was like that young. I mean, he does have a childlike, boy-like quality about him because he grew up in the Gibbler house. (laughs) He has a naivete about him. Which only adds to his charm and hilarity. Oh, okay, I get it. As Jimmy says, well, I've got him booked for next March. Okay, so we know Jimmy's birthday is in March, according to him. And Kimmy told Steph, it's like, you do not want to be on Sudsy's bad side. Oh my gosh, does he have connections? He's got other clowns on standby. Does he know Pennywise the Clown? I am very... Does he know Bozo? <gasps> the Bozo? Well, there's been many. What about Ronald McDonald? Oh my gosh, does he have Ronald McDonald in his in, in his rainbow pocket? Oh my gosh. <gasps> and Stephanie's baffled as she's like, who takes a kid's party so seriously? And Stephanie just kind of chalks it up to some silly side hustle. And Kimmy says, well, not for Sudsy. He graduated with honors from Kazoo U. Ah, oh, man. Whenever I think of Kazoo's, I always think of that one uh, friend's birthday party I went to when we were all, I think I was like six, five or six. And we all went out onto the porch with these Kazoo's and there just happened to be a bee's nest right outside on their deck and all the kids were running. I think I might have been the last, but I got, I got stung. I think I got stung in the chin. Ever since then, it's like whenever I hear the word kazoo or think of a kazoo, that's always what comes to mind. And Sudsy got his PHW from Hardy Har Harvard. Oh, someone's looking sad. What's up with Fernando? Good for you, Stephanie. And she says, I'm, well, I'm not afraid of some clown, all right? Wow, she's brave. She says, let him come find me. It's like, yeah, take off your rainbow wig and let's see how well you do. Like, you want to prove that you can come at me? You take off that rainbow wig and we'll throw down. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. Fernando is like, says, a clown has pledged a vendetta against you. Fernando's freaked. He's like, everyone pack our things. We're moving. And Kimmy kind of chalks this up to... Wait, Fernando, hold on. Um, Are you afraid of clowns? And Fernando just looks at her and says, how are you not afraid of clowns? I honestly have never... I don't think I've ever had a fear of clowns. I remember this one time, probably one of my earliest memories of going to the circus. 
is we were sitting up in the bleachers and I just remember my jacket falling behind the bleachers and my dad having to go under the bleachers to get my jacket. And I told him this one time, he's like, I can't even believe you remember that. You're like four years old. So Jackson comes in with a package like, hey, Steph, and Steph, you just, this just got delivered for you. And it's a small, it looks like the size of a box that a Hallmark ornament would come in. Oh my gosh. I'm going to guess what's in there. Like I said, I only watched this once and that would have been back in 2017 when it dropped. I think that it's a rubber nose. It's like a red rubber nose or something. Because the box is just big enough for that. So she's oh, what's this? She opens the top lid and everyone gasps like, (gasps) except for Stephanie because she's like, I don't get it. Fernando pulls out a red clown nose. Bam! I was right. I was right. Yes! I I, I figured, like, okay. The clown's going to send a message. It's going to want it to be small. Just something simple. Clown nose. Yep. Remember, he wasn't wearing a clown nose when we saw him. So, maybe when we see him again, he'll have the whole get up. Oh my gosh, Fernando's putting the nose on. And he puts a nose on and points to it and says, Sudsy knows where you live. I love how Jimmy and Kimmy are kind of, Kimmy's like looking behind her and Jimmy's like looking kind of towards the door. Like, oh, is he going to come out? Is he going to pop out from somewhere? <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> I see. Nachos. <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I got in an argument with a clown. And not just some idiot that wears flip-flops and quotes entourage, but like a real actual clown. Good boy. That's even funnier than the nachos. <laughs> uh, what was this creep's name, huh? Sudsy the Entertainer. Wait, 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 wait. The Sudsy? Rainbow wig, size 46 shoes, size 46 waist? He's my personal hero and my dad's sponsor. Yeah, he's performed at all my birthday parties up until age 29. Jimmy, honey, you're only 28. Well, I've got him booked for next March. I told you, Steph, you do not want to be on Sudsy's bad side. Who takes a kid's party so seriously? I mean, this is just some silly side hustle. Not for Sudsy. He graduated with honors from Kazoo U. And he got his PhD from Hardy Har Harvard. Well, I am not afraid of some clown, all right? Let him come find me. A clown has pledged a vendetta against you? Everyone, pack our things. We're moving. Wait, hold on. Fernando, are you afraid of clowns? How are you not afraid of clowns? And Seth, this just got delivered. Hmm. What's this? <gasps> it's a clown message. Satsy knows where you leave. Oh no, I get it. Okay, actually, I want to make a correction here. It's actually, it is still Wake Up San Francisco. It's not Wake Up USA. Danny and Becky are making paper, yeah, they're making paper carnations as Danny is telling the viewers of Wake Up San Francisco. It's like, and that is how you make a paper (laughs) carnation. 
And he's basically just holding up a ball of shredded paper. Of course, Becky tops him by holding up a paper carnation that is like three times bigger than Danny's and says, and this is how you make a better paper carnation. Like, paper carnations, really, guys? I mean, it's cute and all, but that sounds like a, a fun after school, rainy day, stuck inside activity for children under the age of eight. So Danny, of course, is not happy with this little, as he says, flowers made out of tissues. Why don't I just go outside and blow my nose on a bush? Like, yeah, I agree with Danny. It is a lame segment. Like, come on, you couldn't have come up with anything better. And I'm guessing this is the woman who took over for Mr. Strobridge, who I don't know if he's even alive. If Danny's 60, I don't think Mr. Strobridge is either. He's not alive anymore, or he's got to be at least between 80 and 90 years old. And he's more than likely retired. And apparently this woman thinks that they're paper carnation segment is better than Hooray for Hummus. I would rather watch Hooray for Hummus. So, Danny speaks to Karen, who I'm guessing is running the show, other than, you know, with Becky being a producer, but Danny's like, I'm not happy, and neither is Becky. It's like, Danny, why are you dragging her into this? If you're not happy, then that's fine, but don't go pull someone in to your argument who may not share your um opinion. And apparently Danny and Becky had kind of rehearsed what they wanted to do. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you were going to talk to her first and then I was going to come in after and kind of see how it all came out. If I got to go in and do damage control afterwards because you messed, you messed it up. And Danny's bringing up that he wants to more focus on serious pieces. Like fidget spinners. Where are they now? Where are they now? When was it? Was it 2015 that those things were huge? I can't even remember. I know I got one. I don't even know where I put it. I'm sure it didn't make the move down here. But uh, yeah, I probably donated it or something. And that's how you make paper carnations. <laughs> And that's how you make a better paper carnation. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have today, but we'll be back tomorrow to help you wake, wake up, up, San Francisco. Francisco. <laughs> Flowers made out of tissues? Why don't I just go outside and blow my nose in a bush? Great show. Even better than last week's show, Hooray for Hummus. Yeah, Karen, about that. Um, I'm not happy. And neither is Becky. Oh, I thought you were going to talk to her first and I was going to see how it goes. We want to do stories a little more serious than today's piece. Fidget spinners, where are they now? Seriously, where are they? We didn't even answer. I agree 110%. Okay, I'm jumping in here to let all of you know, those of you that are processing through medical triggers we have now gotten to the point in the scene of wake up san francisco where they are going to be talking about well 
Karen is going to be talking about the new segment that they're going to be doing, and it is medically related. So from here on, if you want to skip ahead, maybe like between three minutes to five minutes, I'm going to do my best to kind of sum this up and then play a quick clip and then move on from it. So, yep, skip ahead about three minutes now. All right, so we have Karen. As I said, she is probably another producer or an assistant director, whatever you want to call her type, you know, working on the set of Wake Up San Francisco. Wake Up San Francisco. Cisco. She is also a person of color, which is great because we definitely need more representation out there. So, what she is bringing to the table here about a serious subject for Danny and Becky to talk about. A piece about preventative health care. So Danny's ready. He's like, yeah, let's just roll up our sleeves and get to work. And this is where Karen says, oh, actually, you'll have to roll down your pants. Um, excuse me? This is a talk show. It's a television show. You don't need to be doing live medical procedures. If people want that, they can jump onto YouTube, and I'm sure there are plenty of procedures. Go on the Discovery Channel, I'm sure, or medical channel for... I don't even know what it'd be called, but I'm sure there are plenty of procedures if you want to see how they are done. I agree, preventative health care is important, but why do you need to show it on a talk show? Just talk about it. You don't have to go through, no one needs to see this. Oh, she says one of you is getting a colonoscopy on live television. I cannot see censors going for that. I'm sure, you know, Danny's going to be behind um, one of those curtains while it's being done. But still, mm, this is not, does not make for good TV. He, of course, is the first one to go, not it! And she raises her hand like, I am not doing that. And, of course, Karen's like, all right, Danny it is. Danny, you're the winner. <laughs> oh, Becky's like, Danny, you're the winner. What are they giving him a jug of sangria? Oh my god, it does look like a jug of sangria, but it's actually something Danny will need to drink. It's a colon cleanser before tomorrow's procedure. Oh my god. You'd be living in that bathroom. In fact, you know what? You might want to go home and use your own bathroom because I don't think DJ's going to want that foul stench clouding up the house. She has children that live there and other people. There's only so many bathrooms to go around. And Danny's reading the label says high volume, high velocity. Oh gosh, that is going to burn his anus. I'm telling you, if you guys have ever had bathroom related issues, especially depending on like what you eat. It's like, if I'm going to eat this, I know I got to be within the vicinity of a toilet because I ain't going to be leaving it for a while. <laughs> I love Danny. He's like, are they sending my colon to the moon? Becky's like, and she turns around and leaves. And Danny's like, wait, Becky, don't you want to hear more? I'd be like, no. In fact, I have a piece lined up about preventive health care. Fantastic. We're ready to roll up our sleeves and get to work. 
Oh, actually, you have to roll down your pants because one of you is getting a colonoscopy on live television. <laughs> Not me. Danny, it is. Danny, you're the winner. <laughs> I don't feel like a winner. Here, you'll need to drink this colon cleanser before tomorrow's procedure. High volume, high velocity. Are they sending my colon to the moon? Wait, Becky, don't you want to hear more? Well, I agree. You know, colon ostomies, ostomies, whatever you want to, <sighs> are important. I really think if they want a hard-hitting, good topic, what about breast cancer awareness what about mammograms and stressing the importance of prostate exams for men to make you know especially danny's right around that age he should be having those done you know every few years same with becky with the mammograms that is important that is something important to stress what about since you know danny's most likely considered a senior citizen and becky's on her way eventually to getting there stress the importance of you know, eating right, you know, taking the proper supplements or whatever you need to make sure, you know, going for regular checkups and just important health reminders that as you get older and you realize your body is changing, what foods probably aren't the best to be eating anymore and all that stuff. I just think they could have done this without this whole procedure being done on live television it just it mm. you can talk about it you can discuss you can go into you can even have a doctor c come on and speak about these procedures and the importance and raising awareness and everything but i don't know what anyone's gonna get out of watching danny get a colonostomy okay well danny's taking what he learned on today's segment of the paper carnation and showing young Tommy, who's probably about three. And Tommy's like, wow, that's a big flower! And Danny's like, yes, that is a big flower. Now help me unfold this thing. Let's stuff it back in the tissue box. No, you you, you, you can maybe use it to blow your nose once, but mm, I wouldn't attempt stuffing that. That's all ripped up tissue paper. Taking a bunch of Kleenexes and just like, <laughs> shred them and bake them into a... It looks... Not so much like a carnation, but it looks like, it looks like a white bouquet. Or, oh, I know, it looks like one of those, you know how, like, you have the little dandelion thingies, and then you blow on them, and then they all just, like, float away, and then make more dandelions on the ground, eventually. Yeah, that's what that makes me think of. DJ comes in, and she's like, hey, Dad, forget where you live again. And Danny's like, no, I just came to check on my daughter. So, did you ever reach out to CJ? Dan, uh, DJ says, yes, I did reach out to her, and I am taking your advice. I put together an apology gift basket. What's in this gift basket? I want to see. And it also has a note in there inviting her to copy so she and DJ can talk things over. I don't think DJ's, or CJ's got anything to say to DJ. I really, really don't. This is all about DJ feeling guilty and needing to unburden herself. Like, in a way, like, if she apologizes, it's going to make up for ruining what was supposed to be the happiest day of CJ's life. And Dan is like, good for you, DJ. 
Nothing says I'm sorry like a basket of salami. But Danny's trying to keep himself busy since he has that, you know, thing the next day on live TV. And he's like, hey, do you mind if I, uh, since I'm here, alphabetize your spice rack? Like, I need something to do. And DJ just gives him the oddest look like, uh, I guess. Can I do anything to stop you? And he gives her a kiss and walks away. And that's how you make a paper carnation. Big flower. <laughs> yes, it's a big flower. Now help me unfold this thing. Let's stuff it back in the tissue box. No, just toss it in the trash. Hey, Dad. Forgot where you live again? <laughs> no, I just came by to check on my daughter. So, did you ever reach out to CJ? Yes, actually, I'm taking your advice, and I put together an apology gift basket with a note inviting her to coffee so we could talk things over. <laughs> Good for you. Nothing says I'm sorry like a basket of salami. <laughs> hey, since I'm here, do you mind if I uh, alphabetize your spice rack? Can I do anything to stop you? Alright, so down the stairs we got Jackson, Max, and Ramona coming down because they're going to be filming Max's campaign announcement for class president. Um, <clears throat> hold on a second. So was Rose already, she was already running, right? Because doesn't there normally like a deadline, like hey, if you want to sign up, just make sure you get your name in by this date. I mean... Why am I, it's like DJ planted this idea in Max's head and he decides to run with it, but it's like, usually these things have a deadline and you don't just, you gotta like be prepared and be really ready to put in a lot of effort, especially if you, you know, you wanna win. And of course, Max is dressed up in a gray suit, beautiful red and light blue, or is that silver striped bow tie, and a what looks like a plaid white black striped blue striped shirt underneath and max tells dj it's top secret information until the announcement drops <laughs> she's like so uh don't tell any of your fourth grade friends as she zip, zips her lip and jackson of course is fiddling with the tripod that has a phone attached and if you hear any interference in the background, it's not them working on upstairs because I think that might be done. It's Jeremy playing a loud video game. And DJ, of course, needs a minute to gush over her son. Ah, oh, my son running for class president. She's like, I, I love how she like grips him by his arms. She's like, I haven't been this proud since I was class president. And DJ's lipstick matches her pink. It's it's almost like uh I don't even know if mauve is that a pink color? But it matches her shirt. Her pinkish shirt. Not cotton candy pink, but just a little bit darker. DJ turns to Jackson and Ramona's like, Oh, did I mention I was class president? I am sure they're gonna be like Several times today. That would be, yeah, my, like, mm-hmm, you've mentioned it so many times. They all just say, yes, 
Alright, let's get this campaign started if you <laughs> like points into the camera. Like, I hope it wasn't recording. We don't want Wait, they can cut that out when they're editing the video. So Max gets in front of the camera and he says, I'm Max Fuller and I'm running for class president and I'm on the campaign trail kissing babies and he gives Tommy a kiss. Um he, Tommy's not really a baby anymore, but whatever. Just show that you're a caring individual who loves his siblings and wants to make a brighter beautiful future for younger kids, much like his sibling Tommy. Something like that. I love how Max just pushes Tommy along like, okay, take a hike, kid. Okay, Max is gonna be all, hey, now let's talk about my opponent, Rose Harbinger. It seems like before, and I don't talk politics because I don't know Jack Diddley about them. Um, before the whole election thing, so many commercials of all these people running for, like, district something or other, or whatever, I don't know. But they're all about, not so much talking up themselves, but they're slamming other opponents. And it's like, that's all what the videos were, just slamming their opponents, like, and just verbally bashing what? I'm gonna vote for you because you're talking trash about a person? No. I don't, mm. No, 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 no. I think that you honestly can do, if you do think you're open, you're honest, but you're not, you're talking about your own, what you want to do. Not talking about what someone else isn't going to do or say they're going to do what they're not going to do or something like that. Whatever. Harbenberger. Okay, that's how you say it. Harbenberger. Wow, that is a long name. And DJ, of course, jumps right in there like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not about doing that and and this is news to DJ. She's like, you're running against Rose? Like, of course, this isn't gonna help. This is gonna kind of sabotage DJ wanting to patch things up with CJ. And Jeff's Jackson. <laughs> Max just looks at DJ and is like, yes, it's very Shakespearean. Sure. Why not? It's coming from someone who's only seen William and Shakespeare, the Romeo and Juliet 1997 or 98 version of Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. DJ tries to get Max to understand that Rose is the daughter of the woman that she's trying to make amends with. $50 on salami? You don't even know if she's gonna take that gift basket. Yeah, why won't Max run for something else? What about like, treasurer, you were, he's good with money and stuff. We saw, oh, I haven't covered that in season one yet of Fuller House. He had a big, giant bag of ones, fives, tens, twenties, maybe some fifties or hundreds in there. A lot of ones. When Jackson and Ramona were going to go watch a movie, pirated, and um, it ended up putting a virus on DJ's computer. And they needed to pay somebody to have it removed. They have no money, so they turn to Max, who pretty much holds it over their head. And has the uh, Jackson and Ramona massage his feet. And DJ says, we put that poor family through enough. Um, no, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't. Don't you, you put your whole family in this like it's going to take the stink off of you. No, 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 no. Deej, this was all you. Okay? No one else was in a really had secret love feelings for Steve and finally wanted to admit them at the worst possible time. Well, granted, 
if he'd waited any longer and he was married, it would have looked even worse. And, I mean, I love DJ and Steve together and everything, but I just, it sucked how CJ just got just emotionally trampled and wrecked. It's And, and Steve, another thing, it's like, if you didn't care for her, or if you did, but if you weren't 100% sure on your feelings and you weren't having doubts, you should not have even bothered to get the ball rolling with proposing. That is just not cool, man. That will always be... A bad play in the playbook of Steve Hale. Stephen Hale. And also the playbook of DJ Tanner Fuller. Thank you, Max. He looks at her and is like, says, We? Yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't do anything to CJ. That's all you, Deej. He's calling, he's calling her out just like I was calling her out. It's like, No. You did all that yourself. We're not sharing in your blame. Hey guys, what are you up to? We're gonna fill Max's campaign announcement for a class president. Yeah, that's top secret info until the announcement drops. So don't tell any of your fourth grade friends. <laughs> oh, my son running for class president. I haven't been this proud since I was class president. <laughs> Did I mention I was class president? Yes. Okay, let's get this campaign started. Max Fuller is running for class president. I'm on the campaign trail and kissing babies. Okay, take a hike, kid. Now. Let's talk about my opponent, Rose Harbenberger. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, you're running against Rose? Duh. Yes, it's very Shakespearean. <laughs> but that is the daughter of the woman I'm trying to make amends with. I just spent $50 on salami. <laughs> I mean, can't you run for something else? We put that poor family through enough. We? Yes, Max. <laughs> Calling out his mama. Exactly. I mean, I honestly think, like, if I were CJ and someone... I know I brought this up earlier, but if someone, like, was in love with the person who was going to be my husband and had a relationship with them and then was trying to make amends after the fact of... after ruining my supposed wedding, I wouldn't, honestly, I would not accept their apology. I would not want anything to do with them. Why should I accept your apology so you feel less guilty? Like somehow that justifies your actions? No. Okay, looks like it's the next day. Danny is running down the stairs. How he doesn't trip and fall on his face, I'll never understand. And he, of course, he has that sangria colon cleanser jug with him. <laughs> He's like, not a good time as DJ is telling him how she dropped off CJ's salami gift basket. How do you even know if CJ even likes salami? Not everyone likes salami. I think it's alright. Now, if you wanted to send me a meat gift basket, I would say I really like those teriyaki Slim Jims, and I really like... They don't make it anymore, so it's going to be tough for you to find it. It's Wild Bill's Maple Bacon Jerky. 
And the last time I had it was in 2015. I know it's going to be hard to find it, like, in stores and even online. They probably, like I said, they don't make it anymore. But you can try and look for me and let me know if you find any. Send me an email at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. But that would be in my gift basket, along with either an Amazon gift card or a Barnes & Noble gift card. Because you all know how much I love to read. He's taking that paper carnation. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't think you, that's going to be enough for you, Danny. I don't think Danny would have been able to handle that toilet paper shortage back in like March and April and May of 2020. I can't believe that was the first thing to go was the toilet paper. And of course, you know, the sanitizer and, and the moist wipes and all that Lysol wipes and whatnot. I love how he runs into the kitchen and Steph is just sitting at the kitchen counter or kitchen island flipping through a travels magazine sipping out of her S labeled coffee cup because all the girls got a coffee cup with their letter on there. Oh, another thing for my gift basket is a cup like theirs but with an A. That, that would be great too. Christmas, everybody. Christmas is coming up. Those are some gift ideas. <laughs> I'm kidding. You don't have to send me anything. <laughs> but if you want to, you can put a review on the podcast on, on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. That'd be cool. You can use a turkey or you can use a Christmas tree or, you know, emojis or a Santa or Frosty or I don't know if they have a Rudolph. They should. That is another emoji they need to put up there for the holidays. A Rudolph reindeer. Danny grabs this plastic round thing. He's like, Steph, what's this? And Stephanie finally turns around and she says, it's Tommy's old potty chair for the garage sale. Oh, God. <laughs> Danny's like, I'll take it. And he runs down. Oh, oh, why are you running downstairs? Is there a bathroom? Down oh, that's right. Joey did have a bathroom down there when they remodeled the garage into his basement apartment. But doesn't Stephanie sleep down there or whatnot? And you're going to, oh my, Danny. That type of thing should be done in a porta potty, which I know they stink to high heaven, but it's better than having that stink linger in your house. That bathroom better have an air vent. And you better have it running. You know, put your, your air fresheners, your spray in them, like, every... Bleh. Yeah! <laughs> Even Stephanie's like, Dad, that's my room! And he's like, don't come down for an hour. Oh, my God. I'm like, Danny, you go home and you do that in your own bathroom. Granted, he still owns that house, but still. <laughs> Danny disappearing downstairs, and Stephanie's just like, what? Oh, oh God. <laughs> my clothes are going to stay. Oh my god, that's her setup. She ain't gonna be able to sleep in that. She's gonna have to wash those sheets or burn them. Because that smell is gonna permeate everything. Everything. Oh, hey, Dad. I dropped off CJ's gift basket, but I'm not a good time. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. There was a pillow hey, upstairs. Why this? Did you use that? Uh, it's Tommy's old potty chair for the garage sale. I'll take it. <laughs> That's my room. Don't come down for an hour. Oh my god, Danny. <laughs> There's a really awesome 
aerial shot, and it's so gorgeous. I don't know whether it's, it might be dawn, it might be kind of, I'm thinking it's like early morning. There's this beautiful, gorgeous shot of the cityscape of maybe San Francisco or LA, I don't know. But it's like the pre-dawn light, and it's just that gorgeous, like, orange glow, just as the sun is just peeking up over the clouds, and it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. I, I honestly, honestly, love all the, the shots that they get, you know, in between, you know, switching between scenes and everything. I can't even think what, um, stock footage, maybe, I don't know what you call it, but it's gorgeous. This, I mean, I just, I, I love it, and I'm gonna move on, because I know you guys are like, I don't care! Let's get to the rest of the episode! Ah." Okay. I'm done talking about the pre-lit dawn aerial shot cityscape. Gorgeous. It's right after... Stephanie makes this, oh, my room's gonna stink for days, look, before we get to the next scene. Alright, yeah, we're back out of the house with Stephanie, Jimmy, Kimmy, and Fernando, and of course, Jimmy throws down a card, he's like, oh no, and Stephanie looks at Jimmy and says, honey, we're playing gin. And Fernando's like, what? I thought we were playing strip poker, as he peels off his gold watch off his wrist. I love how when Fernando says, ah, then I fold. I thought we were playing strip poker. I heard someone go, yeah! (laughs) And Kimmy's like, put your watch back on. Oh, no, Kimmy says, put your watch back on. I can't control myself around your naked wrist. Okay. Interesting insight to uh, Kimmy's uh, turn-ons. Great. She's giving him the... She's giving him the, that smoldering, sultry look with the eyes. <laughs> I love Fernando's grin. <laughs> He's loving that. Okay, there's a banging at the door. Who could be banging at the door? Is it Danny? Stephanie puts her cards on and she's like, who is that? And she goes up, oh my gosh, who is, who is this? Oh my gosh, it's Sudsy. Three pie pans of cream pies have been whipped at the Tanner door. At their front door. Oh my goodness. Sudsy means business, y'all. And Stephanie, if you guys hear noise, it's um, a little bit of thunder and rain in the background. Um, <laughs> she's like, who, where are these pies, why are there pies on the front door? And Fernando takes his index finger and kind of goes along the outside rim of the pie, of the, the, the cream filling there, and licks his finger. Let me guess, it's lemon meringue? Or banana cream? No, he just says, that is clown pie. It's like, of course it's clown pie. Who else is going to be throwing pies at your front door? Only Sudsy. Because he has a vendetta against Stephanie. And Kimmy's like, it's Sudsy. And Jimmy wants to believe that Sudsy is completely innocent in all this. He's like, no, no, it it couldn't be Sudsy. Jimmy, take off your... (laughs) Oh, naivete, Jimmy. I mean, he's looked up to Sudsy for a long time, and I can see how it's got to be hard to, you know, have Sudsy fall off that pedestal that Jimmy's put him on. And Jimmy tells everyone, he's got the biggest heart in the world. He got it from a baboon. Okay. 
Yeah, okay. So Stephanie reaches for something on the just outside the door and she says well then how do you explain these and fernando is freaked out he's like clown shoe prints oh my fernando <laughs> he's like sudsy take the blonde girl we're innocent <laughs> way to throw her to the wolves or to the clowns there fernando oh no Jimmy, honey, we're playing gin. Then I fall. I thought we were playing strip poker. Put your watch back on. I can't control myself around your naked wrists. Oh, Jimmy! pies on the door that is clown pie it's sudsy no no it couldn't be sudsy he's got the biggest heart in the world he got it from a baboon <laughs> then how do you explain these clown shoe prints sudsy take the blonde girl we're innocent Oh, Fernando. Okay, here we go. This is actually the scene for anyone who is struggling, processing through a medical trigger. This is where you're going to want to skip ahead quite a few minutes. Because I'm going to be going into the simplest detail overview of the scene and then playing the clip. Alright, we're at the set of Wake Up San Francisco. Becky is addressing us, the viewers, that today's the day. Danny will be getting a colonoscopy live on television. They have a doctor and a nurse on staff. They also have a hospital bed set up with a blue changing undressing curtain over Danny. So you can't see anything past his hospital gown covered chest. And, of course, Danny's got to throw in a joke about the fact that he's not wearing pants. He's just in a hospital gown. <laughs> and he says, actually, believe it or not, this is not the first episode that I've done sans pants. That I have not worn pants. Okay. We didn't need to hear that, but okay. Holy moo! It, this looks like... A uh, snow uh, brush scraper as Becky holds out this metal tube thing and she says here's the actual camera we'll be using to perf to film the procedure uh, th again, again I say this is not necessary it's just oof. I mean the, the episode uh, uh, in King of the Hill was for comedic laughter and stuff I love how Danny is just kind of propped up on his side with his hand resting on the side of his head. And she said, this is the camera we'll be using to film the procedure. And Danny's like, what? Are you filming this in IMAX? Ew. I don't want to see it inside of his con. Or anyone's. Not even mine. And Becky's like, no, I'm just kidding. This is a joke from the crew. 
<laughs> and she pulls out what looks like the type of plastic hosing that you would use to cover your electrical cord so your cat or dog or you know rabbit or guinea pig doesn't chew on it that kind of hosing she's like here's the real camera Danny with the jokes he's like is that a camera are you going to check my blood pressure or my, my blood pressure my tire pressure and Becky also tells us, the viewers, that Danny has been given a topical anesthetic, so he will be feeling zero pain. Now, you don't want to feel that camera tube thing going up your hiney hiney. Oh, okay, Bob, Bob, Saget, I'm calling you out. I'm not calling Danny Tanner out, because Danny Tanner would not make these jokes. Bob Saget, on the other hand, would. If you've seen... <laughs> him kind of ripping into you know he's been he was a stand-up comic before he was on Full House and even after Full House he was just making the raunchiest jokes about you know Kimmy Gibbler and stuff like that but it's like I think this is pure Bob <laughs> just riffing these lines like hey while you're up there why don't you try and find the remote what guys I'm doing my best to try to keep this a clean family oriented podcast as much as humanly possible <laughs> but Bob's not making it. Bob, you're not making it easy for me, guy. I'm sorry, you're not. And of course, Danny gets serious as he says, in all seriousness, there is no substitute for preventative health care. So, of course, while he's going on about this, looks like uh, Becky's getting a, a voicemail or something. She's like, oh, Danny, uh, I hate to interrupt this public service announcement. She's, There's a developing situation. He says, we're going to have to do the colonoscopy another time. I'd be like, no, 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 no. No. You get one shot at that. And if you can't do it, it's got to be rescheduled, then it's not happening. Apparently, there's a raccoon loose at City Hall, which is more important and is in grave need of covering that story over Danny getting a a camera up his bum for... (laughs) For the sake of preventative health care or preventative whatever, colonoscopy. Danny's like, a, a raccoon? But I've got a camera loose in my... We just see across the screen, breaking news, raccoon at City Hall. Welcome back, San Francisco. As promised, today Danny will be getting a colonoscopy live on television. <laughs> And believe it or not, this is not the first time I've done this show without pants. Ew. And here's the actual camera we'll be using to film the procedure. Yikes. What? Are you filming this in IMAX? No, I'm just kidding. Little joke from the crew. <laughs> Here is the real camera. Is that a camera or are you going to check my tire pressure? Danny has been given a topical anesthetic, so he will be feeling zero pain. Whoa. While you're up there, why don't you try and find the remote? Okay, Bob, relax. In all seriousness, there is no substitute for preventative health care. In fact, each year... Oh, Danny, I I hate to interrupt this public service, but there's a developing situation. We're going to have to do the colonoscopy again another time. There's a raccoon loose at City Hall. (laughs) A raccoon? 
but I've got a camera loose in my... Okay, so whether or not we hear that developing story about the raccoon loose at City Hall, whether we get any follow-up on that, we're going to move to Max and Jackson's room while Max is on a (laughs) old computer. He's going the old-style route, typing on a a typewriter. Oh, I love how he's got his desk. He's got a little... um, Signage. Gosh, I can't even think of what uh, what the heck those things are called. Where you'd go into someone's office and you'd see a, a little um, signage thing with their name on it. But it says, for him it says, like a boss. <laughs> oh, that's so Max. And he now is wearing a black suit jacket with a white button down and a red... I wonder if that's the same bow tie? The red one with the uh, the white stripes? Maybe not. And he's got a measurement type um, type of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's got like all the measurements of ruler measurements and like met- not the metric system something something like that underneath the typewriter. This is not like old fashioned 1940s typewriter. This is probably something that was I'd say back maybe in the uh, 80s, 7, I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on. I don't care. Alright. Ramona comes in with the clipboard and Max looks at her and says, alright, talk to me. And she takes a breath like, oh boy, because we see a, a graph chart. And she says, well, I've got bad news and bad news. So Max stands up. He's like, okay, give me the bad news. <laughs> and Ramona starts with, well, first bad news. Somehow I got roped into conducting polls for a fourth grader's presidential campaign. <laughs> oh, I mean, Ramona, come on. It's season four. What you got going on right now? You can help your buddy out. And Ramona point blank says, oh, and the other bad news? You're getting killed. Not literally. Not. It was just killed in the polls. Clearly he's up against Rose, so... And we all know she's been practicing for <laughs> student body president or class president since she came out the womb. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. And Max is like, what? I don't believe this. But I'm running a positive message. What, that you're kissing babies? So I think he kind of put all his hope into DJ's positivity like, oh, you should do this. I bet you'll win, Max. He's like, my mom said this would work. So Ramona says her focus group shows that people think, and I quote, that Max's campaign seems like it's being run by a mom. Well, she did say she was going to help him, but this is really, if he wants to do this, he needs to, I mean, not that he's not putting in the effort and everything, but... He's clearly getting his ideas straight from DJ that are circa 1986. If she was, I mean, she was in fifth grade in 1987. So we're going in fourth grade 1986 when she's like 10 years old. Yeah, her ideas are pretty much outdated. Even that cheer, hey, hey, ho, ho, vote for John and Joe or something like that. No, mm. You got to come at this at the angle that kids in 2000. 18 at this point are gonna be into 
You got to come at it from that angle. And Max is a kid of 2017. So he should have a pretty good intel into what, what's the popular thing? What are kids into? What do they like? They th- like free stuff, right? Like cookies, baked goods, uh, gift cards. I'm not in touch with today's society of, but uh, I don't know. Is that what? What do the kids like? They like free stuff, right? They like the baked goods and the uh, the gift cards, right? <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> See, if I were... I'm getting a little too animated here. If I were Max, and I was running for class president, I would be looking at... Literacy would be high on my list. Like, make sure I stress the importance of literacy and picking up a book and also... Like what schools are kind of doing now, you know, helping kids that, you know, need an extra meal and stuff like that. Maybe they're, you know, just picking an angle that definitely is a need in a kid's life and just kind of going with that. He's got to be a people person. And I'm not saying that Max isn't a people person, but I'm just thinking about season two Max. When season two started, he was all about wanting to make the world a better place for people to live in, you know, environment. With, you remember the chickens and and the big giant vegetables and all that stuff. He was all about that. So there's got to be type of, you know, you know what I mean, right? So I look at Max and he is like so very intelligent. Not like I'm not saying that other kids aren't. I'm just saying that sometimes it's like he is. He's an old soul in a way, or he's wise beyond his years and sometimes I think that's got to be hard for him to make friends because other kids are thinking at you know kid levels and kid stuff and everything where he's thinking bigger broader and and everything which isn't necessarily bad but and it's sad that we don't really see Max with a friend and I'm not counting Taylor as a friend he's more of a eh, list him under the frenemy category but even like Steph look at Stephanie she had you know Harry from seasons one to three and then he kind of well actually no I think it was mainly just uh two and three wasn't it or was it just mainly season I think it was season two mainly because season three nerd for a day we hadn't seen Harry for a hot second and all of a sudden bing bang boom he's coming in with a new look and he's all like you dumped me for duck face kind of thing and then after that, it's just we didn't get Steph with a friend until Mickey and then Gia. And it's just kind of sad. Because DJ always had Kimmy. Michelle had a plethora. She had like a Rolodex amount of friends that could fill a Rolodex. But poor Steph. I mean, and Gia was not exactly the best influence for Stephanie. And I'm like looking at the graph chart. And he's like, even the monkey bar people? And Ramona says, especially the monkey bar people. Yeah. And Max is just surprised as he's looking at this graph. He's like, I even lost a swing vote. And after all that time, I spent pushing that kid. Okay, so he's kind of following in the steps of what Rose was doing, hanging out. Like, do you think I like hanging out by the monkey bars? No. 
But I need the boats. <laughs> oh, poor Max. This makes me think of when I was watching the show Parenthood, not the short-lived 90s version with a young, pre-growing pains Leonardo DiCaprio, but a, um, with Lauren Graham from After Gilmore Girls and Dax Shepard, and, and I'm just kind of, I, I watched it up to a point. I, I eventually thought I might go back one day and finish watching it. Lauren Graham, if I had a, I know I'll get back on the show, I promise. Um, if I had watched Gilmore Girls before I watched Parenthood, maybe Lauren Graham, her character wouldn't have annoyed me nearly as much in Parenthood, but that was my first exposure to her. And her character was just really flighty and blah, blah, blah. And it just seemed when I first watched an episode, the first episode of Gilmore Girls, her character in that world, I just seemed very put together. But anyway, the point I'm getting at about Parenthood, there's a character named Max. And he has uh, uh, Asperger's. And he also runs, and I believe wins, student body president because he's in junior high. And one of his main focuses is, I want to be the student body president so I can make changes, especially when it affects the candy machine and everything. And I'm just kind of thinking, same character name, two different characters, two different shows coming at this from different angles. Parenthood is a good, good show. I really wish I had kept up with it, but I just, I kind of fell out of out of touch. You know, sometimes when you're watching a show for a while, it feels like it's kind of maybe going downhill, and you're like, eh, I'm gonna back off, and then you're like, I'm gonna move on to something else. And you kind of abandon it. So, but, alright. Poor Max. But part of me kind of wonders if he's doing this more because DJ pushed him into it, because he had no interest in doing this prior to, to that. And I just, I find it hard to believe that he didn't... He, Rose even said, you know I'm running. Like, she's brought that up to him many, many times. He, in a, his, his angle for wanting to do this whole thing just, it seems wrong. Like, he's doing it for all the wrong reasons. Basically, to be popular, you know, I can be president, and then I can be king, and I can rule the school. And we know in season five, when he actually jumps ahead to middle school, doesn't go over so well. Which... I'll get to that episode in season five, because that's a good one. That also focuses on, it's called basic training, where Ramona, they have like a, a sandwich eating contest at Uncle Monty's and Ramona, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but she does really well. <clears throat> Talk to me. <laughs> I've got bad news and bad news. Okay, give me the bad news. First bad news? Somehow I got roped into conducting polls for a fourth graders presidential campaign. <laughs> and the other bad news? You're getting killed. <laughs> what? But, but I'm running a positive message. My mom promised it would work. My focus group shows that people think, and I quote, Max's campaign seems like it's being run by a mom. Because it is. Even the monkey bar people? Especially the monkey bar people. <gasps> I even lost the swing vote! Oh, and after all that time I spent pushing that kid. <laughs> hey, 
looks like we're going back to Mucho Marcos, and I'm guessing it's going to be a showdown between Aunt Steph and Sudsy the, the Clown. <laughs> the kids really like this clown. What's that? everybody, it's Rock and Roll Barbie. Actually, the name is Aunt Steph, but I don't hate Rock and Roll Barbie. Clearly someone didn't get my message. Oh, you think I'm going to be scared off by a couple of clown pies? No, I'm not giving up without a fight. Are you challenging me to a party battle? Now that I know that's a thing, yes. Playtime is over. Malcolm, get my accordion. Oh, this is going to be interesting. stress you wanted the best you got the best there we go yeah they know who the real winner is show's over kids grab your cake and your goodie bags and hit the bricks excuse me or have your parents pick you up i don't care sure you got guts kid you're gonna make it after all i'll see you around the punch bowl aunt steph Hey, kid. Here. Gee, thanks, Sudsy. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of clown sweat. Ew! Hey, hon. I know Sudsy's your hero, but it meant a lot that you have my back. Of course I have your back. Sudsy's the bomb, but I love you. Aww. <laughs> I had no idea these gigs were so important to you. I guess they really are. And I get to make music and... Make kids happy. I kind of love that. That's awesome, Aunt Steph. <laughs> I'm even going to have you perform at my next birthday party. Oh, that's sweet, Jimmy. But you can still have something. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Sudsy's doing the old, like... Why, well, I'm blanking on what they are. Scarf, like the scarfs through the armhole, but it looks like it's coming out of the shirt hole. Kid, the kids are all just laughing. Like, they're having a good time. Like, I, I didn't know. Are kids still big on clowns now? I mean, especially after the whole thing, you know, with with Pennywise and all that. I, I don't know. And not just, you know, people having a fear of clowns, but, um... Actually, now that I think about it, I want to find out what the proper term is for fear of clowns i it it looks like clara clara chlorophobia i swear either i think it's going to be the charlie brown christmas where that is one of the phobias that lucy brings up when she's trying to help um 
diagnose Charlie Brown's anxiety or what, you know, his, his, his problem, issue, whatever you want to call it is. And I, maybe he didn't, maybe she didn't bring that, but it just, it sounds like if you, I can't remember. I'm going to go check that out because it's going to bug me. Although I'm not set to watch that until it gets closer to Christmas. All my Christmas movies that I watch, the ones that I, like, save, like, right to the end are, um, I think especially the week of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and Charlie Brown Christmas. Garfield Christmas is another one that I save as well to be towards the end. When I originally had like, oh, let me type in Clown Fear. Um, I didn't know that it was a movie title that came out this year. Gah! This is some scary, scary stuff. Alright, I checked the clip on YouTube. Nowhere does it say chlorophobia, which I believe is something in regard to the fear of clowns and other circus entities. Mimes might even be included in that as well. And real quick, I was just thinking back on it. When I was talking about Charlie Brown and Lucy diagnosing, I I don't want to make it seem like Charlie Brown has a problem or an issue. I don't want to label it as such because that just seems really rude and cruel to those out there that are suffering from traumas and, and, and triggers of sorts and stuff and, and working through things and processing. So I don't want to label something, oh, it's a problem or saying it's an issue. Like, that's not the best way to be referring to something. So I do want to apologize. I don't want to offend anyone. Offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You guys know that I care about very much and I do my very best to make sure that I treat especially this Full House Fuller House podcast and the characters with the utmost respect and dignity as possible. I do we have fun. We all we have fun and we, we laugh and everything too, but I don't I don't like to get too too you know, hard on these characters and whatnot. I just I just I love the show. And I love Fuller House too. So <laughs> Sudsy's like the kids are laughing and Sudsy's like slapping his knee laughing along with him like he can't believe like kids are getting such a kick out of this. They really, really like it. But who comes along? We don't see at first. We just hear this rock music start up and he's like, What is that? Stephanie comes in with her guitar and she is wailing on it beautifully. Just ah, uh, she's got I, I and I don't play the guitar, but she's definitely I like the sound coming from it. Her skills have definitely improved since the girl talk episode from Full House. I love how Jimmy's behind her and he's got a, like a white like cloth or you know to kind of you know. We'll see him, like, dab, like, at her forehead and stuff. Because she's underneath lights on the stage, she and Sudsy have a a rock battle. A musical rock battle. And look at the kids. You get the reaction from these two girls. One might be the birthday girl. I thought I saw a cake sitting between them. And they're just kind of looking and pointing, like, this isn't how that's supposed to go. But they're intrigued. They're not like, who's this person? They're like, oh, cool. This just got even more interesting. I mean, first a clown and now 
A musician? Sweetness. Bitch, I love what Jimmy's doing with that white rag, that white towel, just like, he's got one end of it and he's whipping the it around like an airplane propeller. <laughs> Is that like the equivalent to like someone like back in the 70s and 80s just holding a lighter in the audience, just waving it back and forth. Nowadays, I think people do that, but they do it with their cell phone. When I went to that Josh Groban concert, and everyone's like holding their phone with, and it's just, it's so great. Yeah, during the You Raise Me Up song, it is so beautiful. It will literally, you listen to the words, and it will bring you to tears. If you've lost anybody and you listen to that song guys I'm telling you it is so beautiful he also does a very good version of over the rainbow from the wizard of oz of course she gets up on stage with her black guitar and Sudsy is like oh hey everybody it's rock and roll barbie Stephanie faces the crowd and she's like, actually, the name is Aunt Steph. I think that is an awesome DJ name. I just, I, not only, you know, whether she's still DJing, but she's playing for birthday parties and stuff with, you know, Kimmy as the Gibbler party planning. And it just, it's so cool. But I love Aunt Steph. It's like, she's just like, with Uncle Jesse, like he's everybody's Aunt Jesse or Aunt Jesse. I am sorry, Uncle Jesse. <laughs> he is everybody's Uncle Jesse, just like what Fernando said. Just like Aunt Steph. She's everybody's Aunt Steph. She's the cool aunt. Just like Jesse was the cool uncle. She turns back to Sudsy with her finger out, like pointing at him, like, but I don't hate rock and roll Barbie. Okay, I gotta look up rock and roll. Rock and roll Barbie. Okay, I gotta say, I'm looking up Rock and Roll Barbie for Wikipedia. I even tried eBay. I'm not seeing a Rock and Roll Barbie. However, there are many different varieties of a rock-ish guitar musical playing version of Barbie to choose from. There's even... And I think this is great. There's so many variations of Barbie and diversity now. Also, there's a Barbie... Who is in a wheelchair, which I think is great. I think that's great. We need to see Barbie representing those that have not just physical impairments, but honestly mental impairments as well. I mean, not just a physically you see someone's disabled based on them being in a wheelchair, but there are other things as well as, you know, being deaf, being visually impaired, you know slash um blind and you know just just so so many avenues that they could be exploring was even a doll and i believe it's actually in the uk it's not in the u.s that i read about that has a um a cleft palate or i i believe and it's just so many children out there that should have a doll that re represents them in a way so they don't feel like, gee, this person, everyone's got a Barbie f for this or that or the other. I really wish I didn't feel, you know, and could have a Barbie that, or, that I could 
that could I could you know relate to and stuff like that. I just I think it's just such a great idea that it really should have been on the ball with this for quite a while. This really should have been done. And Sudsy looks at her and he's like, oh, clearly somebody didn't get my message. And Stephanie's, oh, you think I'm going to be scared off by a couple of clown pies? She is one tough cookie. She's like, I am not giving up without a fight. You think you're going to trash talk me and I'm I'm just going to sit here and take it? No, I'm going to get right back up. I'm going to get in your face and we're going to have us uh, a musical battle. Oh, excuse me, a party battle. Excuse me, Sudsy. I want to make sure I got the term correct. Which, apparently, I didn't know it's a thing, but Sudsy says it is. And Stephanie says, well, now that I know it's a thing, yes, I am. He is really taking this seriously. I don't think either of them are going to be welcomed back to Mucho Marcos anytime in the near future. He takes his tie off tosses it on the ground and says playtime is over. He's not even looking at Stephanie. He's looking at the kids. And there are no parents there because we learn he's like, oh, have your parents pick you up or whatever. Oh my goodness. Where are the employees? Where are the adults? There needs to be an adult here. We do know at least one of his lackeys gives him his accordion because he rushes up. His name is Malcolm. He is played by a person of color, which is awesome. Always happy when Fuller House represents people of color. He's got his accordion and he just starts wailing on it and uh, Stephanie jumps right in there. It's like a musical instrument duel. Jimmy is really getting into it. He's like on both sides there. He's supporting Sudsy because he has been his childhood fave for years and years and years. And of course he's supporting his girlfriend, Stephanie. Love right behind them on this velvet covered table. Sudsy has opened his trunk and it's kind of a sky blue color that the trunk is colored in. It's got like painted red, blue, yellow balloons, and then a clown face. And a top hat is drawn on the inside of the, uh, underneath the top of the trunk on the inside. It's just, it's really, I like, honestly, what the props department did for this scene. It's just, it's very rainbowy, colory, just, I like it. And love how Jimmy gets up there and he's like, blotting Stephanie's forehead with the white towel, like getting the sweat off. Stephanie's just playing. She's just playing away. And we got a couple kids here. A boy and a girl. And the girl, I believe, I think is... Let me go back to the trivia. Is it is it Beatrice her youngest or is it Zoe? I think it might be B. So trivia again. Jody Sweden's younger daughter Beatrix appears in this episode as an extra in the scene at Mucho Marcos where Steph interrupts Sudsy the Clown's acting with her guitar skills. And Sudsy bows out. He, he's just like, you win. My heart, my baboon heart can't take the stress. He is like bent over like huffing and puffing. Like that is, I mean, I can imagine how much it takes for you to work an accordion because you're working both your while Stephanie's holding her guitar with 
two hands. One is on, what is that? That's the fretboard, right? And then the other one is working the strings and stuff. He's like, push, it's like an arm exercise where you're pushing in and then you're pulling out with the accordion. Now you probably know one of the famous accordion players out there Weird Al Yankovic. Now, I'm going to say, I really, I'd heard of Weird Al. I might have heard one of his songs. My cousins, like, rented, got a CD from the library one time when I was, like, maybe 12. But I didn't really start getting into Weird Al Yankovic until Jeremy and I were married years and years. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. Our, on our way up to Mackinac for a honeymoon in 07... The Straight Out of Linwood album had come out, and we listened to that for the entire, I believe it was the entire trip, the three hours up there, whenever we were driving around in the car, and probably the three hours back. And then we ended up going to see him in 2011 in concert, so I'm like, okay, well, I've heard Straight Out of Linwood. So, that was, uh, the time of the concert was when um, Alpocalypse had come out, and I was getting familiar with that uh, album as well. But I wanted to listen to his back catalog, which luckily Jeremy has all the CDs and stuff, so I was able to pop those onto my iPod, or I think at the time it wasn't an iPod, it was like my MP3 player. But uh, I was listening, getting familiar with all the songs, so when I heard them at the concert, I'm like, I know that song, I know that song, yeah, that song's familiar. I love Stephanie. She's so pumped. She's like, you want the best. You got the best. Just arm pump, fist pump in the air. Just, uh. And, okay, there are parents. Uh, it looks like a couple parents. There are some employees that work there. Another person of color. That's awesome. Just really represent. I love, I love the diversity of the children here. You don't ha- just have, you know, Caucasian and... and and black children, and Hispanic, and Asian, and everything. It's just, it's such a d- diverse, wonderful mix. I love it so much. It's just, all TV shows really, honestly, need more diversity. So, <laughs> Sudsy's like, show's over, kids. Grab your cake and your goodie bags and hit the bricks. Or have your parents pick you up. I don't care. I wouldn't want this dude entertaining me. He's just, he's rude to these kids. He doesn't seem like he really cares. Like, oh, it's for the love of the kids. Like, no, you don't like children. Granted, Sudsy's in pain. He's in, he's in some pain there. I love what he does here, Sudsy. He turns to look at Steph, points at her, and says, you got guts, kid. And not in an intimidating way, just like a, you bested me. You bested me. I've been proved wrong. Like, you're gonna make it, kid. In this industry. Because remember, I was like, kids' parties aren't for the weak. It's like, nah, she proved her, she proved her stuff on stage. He says, you're gonna make it after all. And I'm just thinking of this. Like, you're gonna make it after all. He starts walking away, and he says, I'll see you around the punch bowl, Aunt Steph. And he takes... I thought he was going to throw that to Steph. He takes his rainbow wig off and says, Hey kid, here. And Jimmy is so excited. 
He says, gee, thanks, Sudsy. He, he just, he can't believe it. His, his idol, his person he's looked up to for years, his dad's sponsor, gave him his rainbow wig, which <laughs> he's like, uh, oh, that's a lot of clown sweat. <laughs> Ew, I wouldn't be touching that with my bare hands. Yuck. Of how <laughs> Jimmy always points out the the obvious, like <laughs> no one's saying it, but we're all thinking it in some regards, in some scenes. But Jimmy will straight out just say whatever. Like he's got no filter. He got that from his big sis Kimmy. Kimmy's got no. Kimmy was literally born with no filter. <laughs> My gosh! Jimmy! Don't inhale the clown sweat fumes! Because <laughs> he's holding it like he just gave him like a autographed t-shirt. Just clutching it to his chest and he's like inhale- Ugh. I love how Jimmy is like holding it by his thumb and index finger out away from his body. Wow, that's a lot of clown sweat. I could have told you that. Those bright lights, I'm sure, are very hot. And not to mention, I remember, what, I think it was fifth, fourth or fifth grade. One year I had went, you know, when we were in, still dressing up for coming to school in our costumes. And I had this rainbow wig on. And I just remember having the biggest headache. And I just kind of wonder... I've read things or heard experience from other people, like sometimes for Halloween costumes and stuff, when they have that their costumes on and just that head especially if you were in like a wig or something it's just that like sitting on your head and you're just whether I don't know whether it's the the weight of the the wig which didn't weigh much of anything but it's just I just had a headache and it kind of put a damper on things gosh I still remember I said th- I swear it must have been fifth grade when I uh, we were going around to other classrooms with our costumes on, and it was like a, like a, McGruff, it wasn't McGruff the crime dog face mask, it was a, it was like a, just a bulldog mask, and I just remember, <laughs> even that thing, that whatever, resiny plastic or whatever it was, like, your face, like, starts to sweat, like, (laughs) but anyway, I just remember my aunt picking me up, because, you know, her kids were all, like, 11 and, like, 8, and we were all going trick-or-treating, and (laughs) I just remember my dad coming out with that dog wig on, before, I guess, I had put it on my face. And <laughs> he had this, like, gold color, like, moth-eaten blanket that he would, like, wrap up in on the couch. And he's wearing, like, a cape around his back. And he, he just came out on the deck with that <laughs> and that dog face on. And it was just, I always look back on that and just, I, I laugh. My dad, even though, yes, he was strict in some areas... But he, he was a goofster. He knew how to get a laugh out of people. He was great at that. And I kind of like to hope in some ways maybe I've kind of inherited that from him. I always, when things are kind of, you know, if someone's having a bad day, I try to cheer them up and stuff like that. And I try, I mean, you know, I can also listen to people and stuff like that. But I also... 
I like to hit people with, you know, in their funny bone and just kind of make them, you know, laugh for a minute. That's what I say about, you know, smiles and stuff right now. It's just when you smile, especially with what's going on right now, when you smile at somebody and they return that smile, it's just such a warm feeling in your heart. Like, thank you. Thank you so much. It's just to have that smile and wave return to you. It's like, I see you. I see you. Thank you for acknowledging me. And I just like the fact that maybe, maybe that smile and that wave, as little as it might seem, might be a bright spot in their day. Maybe they're having a, a rough, hard, sad day. And they just need someone to look at them and say, I, you know, I see you. And I want to acknowledge you with a smile and a wave. It doesn't sound like much, but sometimes the littlest things do really make a difference. And this one makes me feel better because, you know, I'm in a new place. I don't really know anybody. Granted, it's really hard for me to get out there and know people. But just, you know, walking around the com- you know apartment complex here and just, I'm getting the mail. Or I'm just walking around and I just see the, the people. I don't know their names, but I'll wave at you and you'll wave back. So... <laughs> So, Stephanie calls Jimmy up on stage like, Hey, hon, I know that Sudsy's your hero, but it meant a lot that you had my back. And yes, I love how even though he really is really worshipped Sudsy since he was a child and looks at him with child eyes, but he loves Stephanie. So I like that he could kind of keep a good balance of, Oh, I'm, you know, praising my... My, my childhood hero, and I'm supporting my girlfriend at the same time. Oh, I love Jimmy here. I love what he says. He's like, of course I have your back. Sudsy's the bomb, but I love you. I'm like, oh, my heart. Oh, Jimmy, you say the sweetest things. He really does, and I really love, and I really honestly think, in a way, because we see Stephanie as the Uncle Jesse type, and maybe... In a way, <laughs> Jimmy's kind of like the Aunt Becky type. And in a, a male version. And, you know, he's honest. He's like, I had no idea these gigs were so important to you. You know, maybe he thought she just did it, you know, as a hobby. And Stephanie's realizing something about herself. Like, these gigs really are important to her. You know, she gets to make music, what she loves, but she also gets to make kids happy, which she also really loves. She's had experience for the last, you know, couple of years living with DJ and Kimmy and just having the kids around with Jackson, Ramona, Max, and Tommy, and she's getting that experience that is going to lead her. I mean, she's a great aunt. You know she's going to be a great mom. And I honestly love how all three of them come at this parenting angle or aspect with their own twist, their own angle of parenting. No one's always going to parent the same way as the next person. They're always going to have their own way of doing things. And in different ways, you know, it, it, it works. Just think about it, Those kids got three adults. Just like DJ Stephanie and Michelle had... Danny, Jesse, and Joey. So they got three people to help them kind of with their problems and three different opinions and three different outlooks and stuff like that to help. This is just, it's its amazing. And I, I just, I, I 
have said this million times, but I love Fuller House and what they've done with these characters and kind of evolved them. I know that people say, oh, well, it's kind of cookie cutter like Full House was. Like, yes, it is. But in a way, it's got its own spin. And you know, guys, you know these jokes that they put in here for us adults. You know a good chunk of them wouldn't fly in Fuller ho- Full House just because... But then again, if you think about it, that's 30 years. Things were different in the 80s and 90s with what you could get away with then and what you definitely would not be able to get away with now. So, And she looks at him and says, you know, I get to make music and make kids happy. And I love that. I love how Jimmy looks at her with such love and adoration. He says, that's awesome, Aunt Steph. (laughs) He tells her, I'm even going to have you perform at my next birthday party. And she goes over to hug him. She's like, oh, that's sweet, Jimmy. But you can still have Sudsy. And he hugs her, pulls her in, and says, my God, you're not going to be without Sudsy. It'll be okay, Jimmy. All right, and we end that scene with Jimmy and Stephanie kissing. And we come back to the Tanner Fuller Gibbler house as DJ is running down the stairs as the doorbell rings and she says, it's always open. Because that door's never locked. I don't remember there ever being a time where that door was locked. So DJ opens the door and it's CJ. And CJ says, we need to talk. And she has Rose in tow. And DJ, of course, thinks it's about the little gift basket and the note that she gave to CJ. I don't know how she managed to get it to CJ, because... <clears throat> anyway, she's like, oh, I'm so glad you changed your mind. You must have gotten my note. <laughs> yeah, I bet she didn't keep... She either threw out that gift basket with the sausage, or she donated it. And CJ cuts right to the chase as she says, this is about Max. And DJ's surprised. Max? Oh, well, then I guess we can talk about that first. (laughs) So, CJ comes down the steps following DJ into the living room, and she's holding onto Rose's hand. And she says, I want to talk to you about the campaign Max is running. DJ, have you checked in with Max lately to see exactly how he's taken that campaign? And how, what exactly he's doing with it? I would be checking in. And DJ's like, oh yeah, isn't it terrific? I've been involved from the get-go. And I'd be like, uh, if I were CJ, I'd be like, excuse me? Like, she does not know the slam campaign that Max has put on Rose. And this is just very dis- uh, very disrespectful that he would go that route. I'm sure when DJ was running in 1986 when she was 10 years old, I'm sure she didn't go around slamming her, you know, slam-talking her opponents. And CJ's like, oh, so you're the one trashing my daughter. Should have known. And you just hear the audience go, whoo, as CJ and Rose sit on the couch. And DJ has no idea. She's like, wait, trashing your daughter? And DJ is surprised. She's like, what? He's been passing out bookmarks and raisins. Well, he's been doing more than that. So clearly this isn't the ad that Max originally had run when he was first starting his campaign. Who is narrating this? It's clearly not Max. We see a American flag behind Rose. 
She is wearing a striped tank top with bib overalls. And in yellow font, it says Rose for President. I'm sorry, but unless it's the full house yellow font, it just kind of looks tacky. And we hear a man's voice saying, How much do we really know about Rose Harbinger? Harbinger, excuse me. The man continues, she said she was going to donate her tooth fairy money to the pet's shelter. And this person knows this. How? Has he got an, in, an intel with Rose? Has he been transcripting their conversations? Okay, this clearly has got to be Max behind this. He's just using one of those voice dis- distorters. As he continues, she's... <laughs> said she was going to donate her tooth fairy money to an animal shelter, but there are still stray dogs everywhere. And you see dogs and birds sifting through trash. And it just looks like a lot of trash. Not a landfill type of trash, but just where did he get this video? That dog looks extremely thin. That is, oh my, there's like a greyhound. Looks like it just had puppies. Just a whole mix of different dogs here. One that just looks extremely unhealthy. Where did this video come from? And the man's voice, or Max's distorted voice continues. What happened to the money, Rose? The voters deserve to know. Okay, first of all, um, Max, did... Why does it matter what she said she was going to do with her tooth fairy money or didn't do? That is completely up to her. has nothing to do with the voters. Are they donating money to the give her to give to the shelter? Come on now. Unless more than likely he's using it is to say she doesn't keep her promises, even the ones she makes to herself. Something of that regard. We also see another American flag from the other direction. We have Rose and some type of superimposing Pinocchio nose and fireworks behind that American flag as Max's distorted voice, Rose Harbenberger, wrong about puppies, wrong about America. This is just... Even for a fourth grader, this is just cruel. This is no different than when Popco had made a, a cruel video about Ramona being a hippo with her face. Mm. This is just this is bullying of the of the worst kind. Here comes Max saying, "I'm Max Fuller, and I approve this message." Uh, he would be a hundred percent grounded, and he would have to withdraw from the the class race if that were my kid. It's like, you're done. You're done. You owe her an apology. You need to record a public apology to your classmates as well because that is just 100% wrong. And very unlike Max, we know that he can be critical, but this is just cruel. And I like that DJ needs to explain to him not, I mean, he knows that it's wrong, but she really needs to explain, like, what you're doing. What is this like a, is, what do they call those smear campaigns? Is that what they call those? The people that attack their opponents through their political ads? And of course he smiles and does a thumbs up. Someone, either somebody's filming or he's just got on a tripod, but you just see, poor Rose looks like she is in tears. And CJ's like, see, see. 
and DJ gets to see that, you know, her son, she might put Max on a pedestal. We know that she probably does. But uh, you can see that this needs to be dealt with. And she stands up and she yells, Max, get in here. So Max walks past DJ, goes over to the couch and says, oh, hello, Rose. I would have grabbed that kid by the arm and like, uh, you don't speak to her that way. I did not raise you that way if I were DJ. Thank you. I love the wording she says. Max, I am appalled at your video. She tells him that is not the campaign we worked on. And she also tells him the things that you said about Rose are not okay. And she tells him friends don't make up stuff to hurt each other. Max is... It's almost like, uh, well, she did it to me. I'm doing it to her. This is just payback. He turns to her and says, she hurt my feelings. His reasoning is she dumped me and said I wouldn't be a good leader. That might be true, but you don't turn around and you put some poisonous smear ad about her that it's just, you don't say well this person did it to me I'm gonna turn around and do it right back for them like eye for an eye no 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 and the thing is I'm thinking and I was actually thinking about this like a week or two ago the whole you know I for they did it to me I'm gonna do it to them and see how they like it I mean we've all probably felt that way when someone has put us down and you wanna you, you wanna get even and I'm just thinking you know how they say <clears throat> a lot of the advice is don't stoop to their level. Rise above this situation. Be the better. Be the bigger person. Or don't call attention to it. Because you know when you stoop to that level and you do the exact same thing how are you any better than that person? And in a way it's like you're giving them more fuel for the fire like by letting them know, like, oh, this this affects me. Like, clearly, yeah. But, and it's easy to say all those things, like, oh, rise above it, be the better person, be the bigger person, walk away, and stuff like that. And it's all about a level of maturity. It's all about how you handle the situation. And a lot of times, just taking a step back from the situation, you know, I'm not a licensed psychiatrist, this is just me if I were in this situation. I would, if someone were saying stuff to me. Oh, perfect example. Um, in high school, I didn't know who it was until after I graduated, but somebody was writing stuff about me on the bathroom wall. Didn't know who it was. This went on for years. Eventually, I did find out who it was, but I surely didn't turn around and start writing stuff about other people on the bathroom wall. saying, like, oh, I'm going to get at them like this. Like, no, I didn't do that. It's easy to turn around and say, well, I'm going to give them as good as they got me. But it's better if you just act like it. I don't know. Honestly, I think it's just something that you and the other person need to talk out. Find out why they did it. That's the thing. I kind of, you know, for me, realizing, you know, years later... uh, a person I considered my friend was the one who was writing about me on the bathroom wall and my other good friend had 
known about this. And she said, oh, the reason that she did that is because she thought you were weird. Really? But, I mean, I'm sorry. That's my own personal <laughs> grievance about that. Um, but let's get back with Mac Max and Rose. I, just, I wanted to try to give some example of you don't do that. You don't retaliate. I mean, he, she only said, I'm just we're keeping our relationship off the table while I'm campaigning. But then again, think about it. If they are competing, granted they are elementary school kids, but if they're competing against each other and they have a relationship, that's kind of a dicey situation. But then again, they're elementary school kids. This quote-unquote relationship is more, it's just really a friendship. I To look at it like boyfriend girlfriend ish it's like no 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 they're too young for that even and i will get to this in february when i cover the tanner girls in love series with baby love them seeing how adorable howie and michelle are like oh she's got her first boyfriend then then don't don't do that oh my two-year-old and my best friend's son they're gonna get married one day and they're gonna and we're gonna be really like don't put that on your children so CJ, who's sitting right next to Rose, she's surprised. She says, Rose, did you say that? Rose won't even look at CJ. She just looks down and she says, it's possible that I was less than kind. It's almost like it, like, is hard to get the words out, like, to admit it. Like, it's hard when people, like, to admit when they're wrong. Like, oh, I guess I can say that I was... Not 100% correct. Those are the people just like, eh, it's kind of hard for them to admit. Jeremy is the exact same way, guys. He does not like to admit when he is wrong. When I know that I bested him at something, which doesn't happen always, or, oh, perfect example, when we play a board game, and surprisingly, I win every once in a while. He's like, oh, well, no, that's not right. We gotta play again, because the board was out of whack, or this or that, or like, uh... I don't know why, but for a split second, and maybe it's the dress that Rose is wearing, it's like a blue, white, black plaid dress. It's really cute. But... I got this with, and if you guys are familiar with Little House on the Prairie, do you remember Eliza Jane Wilder, Almanzo Wilder's sister? When she, she's looking down and her hands are kind of placed atop her knee, and she's like, I suppose it's possible I was less than kind. Just the way that she utters that, and I'm just like, it felt very Eliza Jane just in that, that prim proper speech. Here's a quick little comparison. Stand in the corner. So, Rose tells her mom, almost like she's trying to find a reasoning for why she said what she said. But then again, Max is doing the same thing. She looks at her mom and says, He just ran against me without thinking about my feelings. Well, that's 
kind of the thing. If you guys are going to be friends and you're going to be going up against each other. Because she's like, well, I'm running. You can't run because I'm running. And, you know, we're in a relationship. Other, You know, if you run against me, we'll have to table our relationship until this whole thing is over with and whatnot. But... I don't know. I mean, it's honestly, it's still, it's not an excuse for saying, oh, you'll be a terrible leader, and if you do it, I'm gonna dump you. It's like, don't, don't make something an ultimatum. Like, oh, if you do this, we're done. Max looks at, down, looks down at Rose because she's sitting on the couch and he's standing. He says, I did what I needed to do to win. And I like what DJ says here. As she turns Max to face her and asks, wouldn't you rather present yourself as someone who can do good rather than attack Rose? Which is exactly what Max did. You didn't see Rose making a video and personally attacking Max and his ideas and everything like that. No, she didn't do that. And he uploaded it so other kids and people can see. It's like, that is a form of bullying. I really want her to address what you did, Max, is a form of bullying. That is not a smear campaign. That is, that is bullying. And Max is just, he's also trying to justify his actions like, oh, if I did that, then Rose would win because she'd be a better president. And DJ's like, well, we hit the nail on the head with that. Who Max realizing that and she says, Well then maybe if you think that, then maybe you shouldn't be running for office. I'm like, exactly. There are other jobs that he could do. Treasurer, that would be something. Also running, you know, either bake sales or setting up car washes or how about volunteering at the animal shelter? Stuff like that. Setting up a, a a donation thing for, you know, the ho around the holidays, you know, ca canned food drive, stuff like that. So you are, in fact, helping people and you're not verbally attacking them and bullying them online. And I, I honestly, I like what she's saying as she continues, you know, especially maybe you shouldn't be running for this particular office, even, or especially if it means giving up your friendship with Rose. It's like, no. This thing is a passing fancy with Matt. He he was all in it for the for the power and just he was going at it for all the wrong reasons. And it's not worth giving up a friendship that you've had for over the last couple years. A good friendship. If he were coming at this presidency thing with a good heart and a a clear sound mining objective and everything like that. I would have fully been on board with it. But the fact of the way that he decided to go and and just play, you know, dirty and stuff like, well, I'm going to do a smear campaign. It just, it seems, this just see. I mean, and I know he's a kid and everything like that, but it just, it seems unlike, Max does not, in the, the three and a half seasons we've known him, he doesn't look like he would go out and intentionally hurt someone on an emotional level. Or And he wouldn't stoop that low. Sure, he's got his little clapbacks and stuff. Who doesn't? But he's not intentionally hurting someone's feelings. So, Max kind of huffs for a second. Like, 
like accepting his mother's words and realizing that she is in fact what she's saying is true and he takes it to heart he turns and faces rose and says rose i'm dropping out of the race and i like here how he says i hope you can accept my apology i'd be like you need to remove that video that you made she and cj stand up and she turns to and faces max and says that's very big of you max Right back here, he's like, so now that we're no longer political adversaries, could we get back together? Like, I don't see why they couldn't. They could still be buds. Aw, I think they're adorable together. She just looks at Max and she says, oh, Max, yes. Aw, love the audience. Aw. And Max says, Madam President, let's go stick it to the big lunch lady. I love how he always puts his arm out for her to take. That is just, uh That reminds me of when Jeremy and I first started dating. That was the first, that was a big step for me. We worked at the video store together. He was putting out new releases and I was walking alongside him. And I put my arm through his and I'm like, I just remember feeling so nervous. It's like, this is such a big step. And, 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 and no uncertain terms in face, like, by doing this, I want to date you. I want to be with you. And I'm cementing that fact by putting my arm through yours. I love how they skip off into the kitchen. It's so cute. Zoe's open! Oh, CJ, hi. We need to talk. Oh, I'm so glad you changed your mind. You must have gotten my note. This is about Max. Max? Oh. Then I guess we can talk about that first. Please come in. I want to talk to you about the campaign Max is running. Oh, yeah, isn't it terrific? I've been involved from the get-go. Oh, so you're the one trashing my daughter. Should have known. Wait, trashing your daughter? He's been passing out bookmarks and raisins. <laughs> Watch this ad. How much do we really know about Rose Harpenberger? She said she was going to donate her tooth fairy money to the pet shelter. But there are still stray dogs everywhere. What happened to the money, Rose? The voters deserve to know. Rose Harpenberger, wrong about puppies, wrong about America. I'm Max Fuller, and I approve this message. Hello, Rose. Max, I am appalled at your video. That is not the campaign we worked on, and the things that you said about Rose are not okay. Friends don't make up stuff to hurt each other. But she hurt my feelings. She dumped me and said I wouldn't be a good leader. Rose, did you say that? It's possible that I was less than kind. <laughs> just ran against me without thinking about my feelings. I did what I needed to do to win. Wouldn't you rather present yourself as someone who can do good rather than attack Rose? And if I did that, she would win because she'd be a better president. Oh. Well, if you think that, then maybe you shouldn't be running for this office. 
Especially if it means giving up your friendship with Rose. Mm -hmm. No political endeavor is worth that. Rose, I'm dropping out of the race. I hope you can accept my apology. It's very big of you, Max. <laughs> so, now that we're no longer political adversaries, could we get back together? <laughs> Oh, Max. Yes. <laughs> Madam President, let's go stick it to Big Lunch Lady. <laughs> so Max and Rose go skipping off into the kitchen. CJ stands up from the couch and says, Uh, thank you, DJ. I will see myself out. And DJ is just hanging on by her fingertips here. She's like, oh, please, CJ, I, I'd really like to talk about what happened in Japan. And I bet anything, CJ's going to turn around and say, you know, I really wouldn't. I'd be like, DJ, you ruined what was supposed to be the best day of my life. Like, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to hear what you have to say. But no, CJ just stands there and groans like, ugh, just rolling her eyes like, ugh, we're doing this then, I guess. <laughs> So CJ is like, okay, and she sits down, like, ugh. So DJ sits next to her, facing her, and apologizes. CJ, I am so sorry. I wish that I could have sorted out my feelings for Steve, Steve sooner. Not just you, DJ, but Steve as well had been stringing CJ along. Just constantly, even when he learned that CJ and, or, that Matt and DJ were dating just the way that he just completely disregarded CJ's feelings. Like, what? You're dating Matt? Like, you're with CJ. If you didn't want to be with her, why were you stringing her along this whole time? Not to mention how Rose must feel. I mean, both DJ and Steve are the guilty party in this. It wasn't just DJ. You know, he should have just been open and honest and not just feeling like, oh, I'm going to be hiding with CJ when I really want to be with DJ. Because she still has to work out her feelings. Like, <sighs> if any of you watch One Tree Hill, um, if you remember season one, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the show, it's uh, currently on Hulu, all nine seasons. But the first season, we have Lucas Scott. And he's interested in Peyton Sawyer. But instead of telling her, you know, how he feels and wanting to be with her, he decides to be with Brooke Davis. And then a situation occurs where he cheats on Brooke with Peyton. And his reasoning is, I've been hiding with Brooke. But I really want to be with you because she's not you. And I'm just like, ugh. Or even another example. Season one of the OC with Seth dating Anna. But when he confronts Summer, he says, for me, it's always been you, Summer. It's always been you. So it's like, why are you taking advantage of nice girls who want to be with you and stringing them along until you sort out whatever your feelings are for the person you actually want to be with? It's like... Someone else's feelings, like, 
they mean nothing. The person I'm with, their feelings mean nothing. But I'm just with them until I decide who I want to be with. I, I hate that about love triangles. I hate that. And DJ realizes that she hurt CJ. It's nice that she is acknowledging them. But I mean, if I were CJ, I wouldn't so easily forgive DJ. And I don't know if she does. And she's not even looking at DJ who's facing her. She's looking ahead. Like, sometimes when you can't really, like, face someone when you're trying to say the word you look away, I do the same thing. Where she says, look, DJ, I I admit I was mad and embarrassed. Which she had every right to feel those emotions. And you just feel just in the dialogue that CJ is speaking, you feel that hurt. You feel that pain that... You hear her voice shaking in those words. Like, I was hurt and embarrassed. And it was really hard for a while. Like, she is, like, bearing her... I mean, I know that DJ is also, in a way, bearing her feelings, but... It's like you're exposing, like... CJ having to expose these feelings that she's probably still trying to process and still trying to deal with like every day is like this man that I loved that I thought loved me and wanted to build a life with me and my daughter and just we go through going you know for to Japan for the wedding and then all of a sudden he declares his love for his ex-girlfriend I mean think about it she's already been burned before by Rose's father, you know, whatever their reasons for splitting. And maybe she thought that this was a second chance of love, but she always seemed to be doubting in her mind. She even even says when she walks in in the New Year's Eve episode of Fuller House, when she sees Steve propose, practicing proposing to CJ, but to DJ, and she's saying, you know, I thought after a while you would just... you." were able to move on. You weren't talking about her as much, but I can see that you are still so very much in love with her. How is it that a woman is able to be with a man who is still so fixated on his first love that she's hoping that one day he'll move past that and be able to love her 100% instead of 25CJ and 75% DJ. But DJ... Uh, CJ realizes if you hadn't have ruined my wedding, I would have married a man who wasn't really in love with me. So in a way, DJ kind of saved her from making a commitment to a man who wasn't 100% ready to make a lifelong commitment to her. And that's the thing about marriage, guys. Marriage is forever. It is a commitment forever. The vows you say for richer, for poorer, for sickness and in health and honoring your spouse and everything those, you take those words seriously and let me tell you, it's like the rough times you're not just in it for the hugs and the love and the kisses and the but you're in it for the good times the bad times, and let me tell you, there will be bad times. It's not all, as they say, it's not all a bed of roses. 
there's gonna probably be sickness. There's probably gonna be money issues, especially when you're just starting out as a married couple. That is one of the big things that couples, married couples first disagree about is gonna be money. Do we have a single, each have a single account or do we pool our money together in a joint account? And who's gonna be paying the bills? Who's gonna be overseeing the money? Another thing is if you have kids, how you're both coming at it from different angles. You gotta come to, you know, that's the thing. You gotta come together on these things. That's what part of being a, a team and being partners in, in life is. You have to work together. You gotta compromise. Sometimes, you know, like me. This was a big step moving down here to Texas. But I did this because I supported my husband. He's been wanting to do this for years. And I said, okay, I am leaving everything I know. I'm leaving my family I'm leaving my childhood, you know, my childhood home, my parents who are buried in Michigan, all to start a new chapter of our lives together. And I said yes. I said yes to the day that I married my husband. I said yes to everything that comes afterward. I'm sorry I'm whispering, but their bedroom's on the other side of this wall. <laughs> That's the thing, guys. You're, you stick it out through the bad times. You're going to rejoice in the good times. It's an uphill and downhill constantly up and down but it's how you work together and really cling to each other in the time of need that really tests your marriage and really shows just how faithful and committed you are to each other and cj is now looking at dj as she says this she says i am glad i find i found out before we got married even DJ is starting to get choked up as she says, thank you for being so kind. It's like, CJ could have just up and said, you know what, I don't want to talk about this. I have nothing to say to you and I don't. <clears throat> God, my throat is getting really dry. <clears throat> and I have no, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And she could have left. But she was like, I may as well sit here and listen to this, her poor heart out to me, because I'm never going to hear the end of this. She's constantly going to be bugging me when I drop Rose over. I may as well just hear her out. But I like that at least DJ is listening to what CJ has to say. She's listening to CJ's side of it. And I like that DJ says, thank you for being so kind. And DJ says, you have every right not to be. I like this as CJ says, I'm happy and I'm in a good place. And that's great that she's worked through this process. Because think about it, that was the end, like, that was season three. Was the whole wedding in Japan and everything. Well, almost wedding in Japan. So she's had time to work through her anger, work through her pain. But it's still, she's still working through it. And she tells DJ, I'm glad that you and Steve are so happy together, too. And DJ says, thank you. So CJ gets up and DJ starts to follow her towards the door. Says, hey, you know, next time you bring Rose over, maybe you could, uh, you know, come inside instead of dropping her off at the curb. And CJ says, you know, I, yeah, I think I'd like that. And CJ, CJ says, all right, how about next Tuesday? Oh, I love, I love DJ saying this. I mean, she said it as she was running down the stairs, but it has so much more meaning and weight and emotion to it. And she says, the door is always open. I 
love that saying. You know, we really didn't get a saying like that in Full House, but I love that it's like, the door is always open. My heart is always open. My arms are always open. I just love this. And I love the audience going, aww. Oh, and I love how they each take each other's hands and just hold it. Oh, it's so beautiful. Wait, I mean, if you think about it, DJ finally got the closure that she needed. And CJ finally got to, you know, hear, even though she didn't really want to, what DJ had to say and everything. And they finally, they've come to a an understanding. They can close this door and CJ is moving on. From Steve and DJ is finally getting out what she wanted to say and just apologize. Uh, thank you, DJ. I will see myself out. Oh, please, um, CJ, I'd really like to talk about what happened in Japan. Oh, we're doing this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am so sorry. I wish that I could have sorted out my feelings for Steve sooner. I know I hurt you. Look, I, uh, I was mad and embarrassed. It was really hard for a while. But if you hadn't ruined my wedding, I would have married a man who wasn't really in love with me. I am glad I found out before we got married. Thank you for being so kind. You have every right not to be. I'm happy. I'm in a good place now. <laughs> and I'm glad that you and Steve are so happy together too. Thank you. <sighs> Hey, you know, next time you bring Rose over, maybe you could uh, come inside instead of dropping her off the curb. Yeah, I, I think I'd like that. How about next Tuesday? The door is always open. That is the episode. I hope you all really enjoyed it. I had a fun time covering this as the final episode for the Full House, Full House Back to School Part 2 series, since that is the last episode. And if you're listening to the beginning of the episode before I started covering President Fuller, you most likely heard the series I'll be doing for the end of December. I started 2020 with Jesse and Rebecca, or Jesse and Becky, a love story arc, and I want to finish 2020 December with Jesse and Becky as new parents. So I'll be covering next week the first episode in that series from season five, Nikki and or Alex. And yeah, this episode would have aired season 5 episode 11 November 19th 1991 in this episode back home from the hospital Jesse can't tell his identical twin sons Nikki and Alex apart 
Meanwhile, Danny likes his new temporary co-host, Vicki Larson. So yes, we do get to meet Vicki Larson. Our first appearance of Vicki Larson, played by Gail Edwards. So, look forward to that episode. So, of course, I want to do my segments. Let me see here. Best worst dressed for the episode. Best dressed. I've, mm, excuse me. Mm. I've given it to Max a lot. You know, like, oh, he wears sweater vest. Oh, he wears a cute suit and a bow tie. Adorable. But I can't always give it to Max for best outfit. So I think I'm going to give it to Ramona when she's coming into the scene holding that clipboard with the graph of Max's uh, poles and everything like that. She's wearing a really nice olive colored long sleeve shirt and it really goes great with her her hair and her complexion just hurt. It's just really, really beautiful. So she's going to get the best dress award. Worst dress, I honestly want to give it to... The only thing about... You know, actually, I'm not. I'm not going to do that to Stephanie because it was just her... Her... It wasn't lime green. It was... a different type of green just I didn't like it if it were like burgundy color or maybe like a royal blue or something I don't know but no I'm not gonna do that to Steph um I think I think I want to give it to I didn't really care for DJ's outfit in the last scene it was kind of a a white like long sleeve you know sweater but it had like strings kind of hanging off around the elbows and I just like, eh, I didn't really like that. So, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is getting, uh, you can probably hear it. My voice is getting a little scratchy. So, most relatable for this episode. Whew. I think I'm just going to go with the whole Sudsy the Clown thing and me going to the circus and <laughs> losing my jacket when I was four. That's like barely relatable but it's like it had to do with the clown and circus and stuff so um is there a worst character here this episode no there isn't i don't think anyone was the worst this episode sudsy really like i said these episodes of fuller house i only usually watch them once and then again when i'm covering it for the podcast but sudsy made a turnaround i I I thought that he was just going to hold that, you know, Vendek and Stephanie forever. But no, I like it's almost like a passing of the torch. Like you pass the test. You're going to make it, kid. And I, I love that. And yeah, he's kind of crude and crass with the, you know, the kids. Like, oh, yeah. get your goodie bags and your cake and have your parents pick you up. I don't care. Like, eh. Okay, <laughs> but no, he surprised me. I, I I really liked this. That sending like, hey, you're gonna make it. Like, you're gonna make it, kid. You passed the test, basically. So yeah, I like that. And I did like. I really kind of wish we had kind of pushed it on bullying just a bullying just a smidge, but we do get that in the um season four ghosting episode where. 
Ramona wants to hang out with Sierra and the popular girls, and they invite her to like coffee or something, and then they totally don't show up. That is a form of bullying. In the uh, in the with this generation and stuff like that, I like. I'm sorry, I'm yawning. It's like uh, twelve twenty-four in the morning. <laughs> I don't always, I don't always get an episode completed in the course of one day. It's usually broken down over the course of a couple days. Recorded at different times. So if you hear me saying, it's this time in the morning. It's this time in the morning. I haven't even had lunch yet or something. Or, hey, my lunch is done or something like that. So you can definitely tell it's definitely recorded at different times of the day. I also, of course, we can't forget the teachable Tanner moment is if you want to do something in regard to running against a friend, if it's in school, if you're competing against a friend, you don't need to be nasty. That's not how you win things, okay? Just be be yourself and yeah. Honestly, I mean, I think like I said, Max was running for the wrong reasons. DJ kind of pushed him into that. I really think Honestly, treasure would have been good for him because he's good with money and he he loves, you know, his environmental causes and everything. And I really think that would have been a great platform for, for him. It's not always about winning. It's about how people perceive you. It's about, you know, your image and what you're putting out there and how people are reflecting on that too. But I really like DJ and CJ's moment at the end. I really, I thought that, I mean, yes, it was annoying. Like, oh, we gotta talk. Oh, come on, CJ, sit down and talk with me. I got you a gift basket. And I just, but I liked it. I like that they both are at a place now where they can finally close the door on this topic and move forward with their lives. So friendship is always important and also listening is also very important. You may not want to hear what the other person has to say and everything, but uh, sometimes it's good to just sit down and like hear both sides and be able to settle a misunderstanding, a disagreement, or just get your words out, just unload, just so you can finally say, okay, I can close the door on this and I can move forward. So, all right, everybody, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving and that you please continue to be safe and that if you want to reach out to the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can do so at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. The email address is always in the description. And real quick, actually, I had a listener recently reach out to me. I'm not going to mention their name or where they're from or any of that stuff. Just that during these times that we're going through, and let me tell you, this has been a very rough year for everybody involved. We can't say that it hasn't been, that it's affecting us all in one way or another. But this person expressed that how my podcast is a comfort to them and really helped them out during these times. And guys, 
I am very happy and proud to be that for you. I really, really am. If I can give you guys some comfort, some laughs, some enjoyment, uh, you know, for a couple hours with these podcast episodes, then I am more than happy to do that. Just remember, we are all in this together. We are all fighting this thing, and we are all, those of us that pray, we are praying for a brighter day, and it is going to happen. We have to ride this wave out. But a brighter day is coming. There is a light at the end of this tunnel, and we are going to find it. Okay? So don't give up hope. Keep pushing along every day and knowing that you're going to reach the finish line. And this is just something that we're going to look back on and say, we made it. We got through this, and we will get through it. That is the hope that I hold on to every single day. That there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So, alright everybody. Like I said, I hope you all had a wonderful you know, holiday weekend and everything. And I will be back next week with the Jesse and Becky new parents series. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.